The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, episode 50. This week's PKD Black Box is brought to you by the original graphic novel, Jetta, Tales of the Toshigawa, Full Circle, by Martheus Wade, Kevin Williams, and Janet Wade. After the revelation of betrayal told by her mortal enemy Terminus, Jetta must now decide whether to fight beside the Toshigawa or not, and her decision may rest on the shoulders of the one she loves most, Kim. For Jetta, nothing will ever be the same again. Don't miss this exciting chapter of the Jetta series. Plus, as a special offer, those who purchase Jetta Tales of the Toshigawa Full Circle will receive a free digital story called Jetta Admiration that you will be able to download directly from MyDigitalComics.com. This story will shed more light on events that happen inside the pages of Full Circle and will be an important addition to the events that unfold. It will also have a four-page preview of their next spin-off book, Tura, Gun Angel. Jetta Tales of the Toshigawa Full Circle is available at DCBService.com for $4.95. Once again, that's DCBService.com. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode is pretty big, y'all. Number 50. What we're doing is we're having a special interview with Martheus and Janet Wade, co-creators of the Jetta original graphic novel series. We will discuss their latest book, Jetta Tells of the Toshigawa Full Circle. Then after that conversation, John Carroll of the Carroll Chronicle stops by the PKD Black Box as he and I talk some tech talk about the iPad and various tablet devices, and we also talk about race and comics. And then after that, Donnie Salvo from the Tales of the Attic podcast comes back to the PKD Black Box as we have just some random talk. You know, I can't explain it. You just have to listen to it on your own because it's so random and off the wall. But <laughs> good times, good times were had. And then Donnie told me something about himself that I didn't really know about. And it's, it's really cool. So um, have a listen. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I want to give a special thank you to every listener or fan of the PKD Black Box from the top to the bottom of my heart. I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for, you know, your iTunes reviews. Thank you for downloading the show and just enjoying it. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, you know, those that have given feedback, I, I can't say thanks enough. Myself, John, Donnie, all of us here, you know, we thank you. Um, thanks also to the HHWLOD Podcast Network for letting us become a part of their family, hosting the PKD Black Box Network of shows and and we're just going to keep moving. 50 episodes, that's, that's a good start. But we got a long way to go. So we're going to keep moving and doing our thing. So uh, I'm going to stop talking. And we're going to get to our feature presentation. I'm on the line now with the creative duo behind Jetta, Full Circle, the next chapter in uh, Jetta Tales of the Toshigawa a graphic novel series. We will also be talking about the Jetta Admiration, which is a prequel to Jetta, Full Circle. You have heard one of these two voices on the podcast many times before. Uh, he's a very talented gentleman, all around good dude, and if you if you act mean to him, he will roundhouse kick you in the face ladies and gentlemen <laughs> ladies and gentlemen martheus wait martheus how you doing sir 
What's up, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back on the show. I still haven't got my headset and stuff for Skype, so I feel bad right about now. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's but right. I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Fantastic. And it's okay, man. We'll get you. We'll get you into, you know, into the new technology eventually. So it's all good. Don't yeah, sweat. Don't yeah. sweat. But the other half, the other half of the Jetta team. I'm this very wonderful person. I had the opportunity to finally meet face-to-face last year when I ventured to Tennessee for, for a show down there to sell some funny books and have a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to all of you Janet Salty Girl Wade. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming on the show, Janet. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You didn't mind the whole Salty Girl middle, uh, you know, Salty Girl shout out, did you? No, that's cool. Okay, some cool. People, I don't think some people even know my real name. They just know me as Salty Girl. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Well, cool. Well, thank you both for coming on the show so we can talk about some Jetta. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm glad you had us on the show, man, because, you know, I, I, I need to get on the ball with promoting this book. I'm <laughs> 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 falling behind, man. No, it's all right, man. It's, it's all right. Look, y- y'all stay busy. And but speaking of which, uh, we talked about Jetta like in bits and pieces on a couple of uh, PKD Black Box episodes we've done in the past. But for the people that uh, don't know about Jetta just yet, and you just want to give them a quick refresher course, what is Jetta all about? I'm gonna let Janet handle this one because I always do it. So I'm gonna let Janet handle it. Great. Okay. Let's hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> well, okay. The overall. Um, I guess the overall story is about um, the Toshigawa Ninja Clan that has been defending the world from an unseen demon army called the Na that keep trying to infiltrate and take over the earth. They have a prophecy where one of their true bloodline, who they call the Chosen One, I mean, who, who, what else can you call someone like this, right, that's in the prophecy besides the Chosen One? But the Chosen One will eventually come forth and defeat the demon army of the Nav when they try to take over uh, once and for all. And so, like, their leader, um, Steven Toshigawa, they thought he was going to be the chosen one because he had manifested all these strange, unearthly powers. And it actually turned out that, no, he was... He actually turned on the Toshigawa and became leader of the demon army, the Nav, that they were trying so hard to fight against. So now, all of this pressure of being the Chosen One falls on his one and only daughter, Shiandria Toshigawa, who is also known as Jetta, um, for her to be the Chosen One and for her to save the world, basically from her father. And so there's a lot of inner conflict, because, you know, who wants to go up against their father? There's a lot of combat, a lot of fighting going on because it is a martial arts book. It's a it's an action adventure book, uh, but it's also like a kind of like a superhero slice of life because it shows little bits and pieces of her as a person and not as a superhero. Like she she doesn't even she doesn't even like the title of chosen one. So um, we have to explore. Um, explore levels of that to where she finally goes through the different books that we have out and uh, she finally accepts the role as chosen and fulfills the prophecy.
Now, y'all been working on Jetta stories for a good period of time. If, if memory serves me right, uh, I take it that Jetta Full Circle, that's the fifth volume? Yes. Okay. Now, that's... I got to count on my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, this yeah, is... Oh, go ahead. No, no, yeah, this, it is uh, the fourth See, volume. See, he's got to count on do, his fingers, too. <laughs> no, uh, it's the fourth volume, but we also do, like, um, like in, in, uh, individual... A regular comic book story, so I get those mixed up too. So I have to, oh. yeah, I have to count. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in between yeah. stories. Okay. Yeah. But now the thing is, y'all been working on Jetta various various stories and original graphic novels, and in between stories for like years. Now, if, if we now if you really think about it, on the independent tip, there aren't a lot of very strong female lead characters. I can't think of many off the top top of my head, especially in something that's part slice of life, part drama part martial arts action type you right. know you know leading lady type deal and y'all been right. doing this independently for years what's been that special ingredient that has enabled y'all to continue to do jetta and keep it alive and flourishing for all these years for me it's, it's been just uh wanting to be able to tell a story that, that i believed in i've i've always wanted to be in comics uh, and ever since I was little, and I've always wanted to be able to contribute something to the greater comic book world. Uh, you know, there's there's a thing where you can go in, you can be a writer, or you can be an artist for a certain company. And I've also wanted to do that, but I've also wanted to be able to contribute something, to be able to say, to put my stamp on something, and be able to say, this is definitively my story or my piece of artwork, you know what I mean, independent of anybody else. And that was kind of the driving force to be able to do Jetta. Um, it served as twofold. One was to be able to get into the comic book industry, and one was to be able to, to like put my, put my stamp on something. But after a while, it ends up being to where it's just to be able, you know, the driving force is just to be able to tell good stories and I'm so in, immersed into this world to where the characters, you know, are, are really real to me. You know what I mean? I, I, I know that sounds kind of weird, but, you know, as a, as a writer, it's like I'm, the, the characters are, are living, breathing entities, and they will do certain things, and they will say certain things, and I would have to, it's just like me trying to document what they do and draw what they would do, you know, in kind of a weird sort of way. So it's like I have to do that you know it's not it's not like I, I can't see myself doing anything else this is what i'm supposed to do this is how i'm supposed to be and this is the story i'm supposed to tell for as long as it's supposed to, to go on you know what i mean mm -hmm. so that's my driving force that's why i keep going and i'm just fortunate to have a wife and a best friend that can, you know hold my hand and say okay man Go in this direction. <laughs> you know, we will we will follow you in this direction as long as you don't lead us off a cliff. You know, yes. so, you know, that's pretty much it. Now, when you when y'all working together on these books, you know, whether it be you know Jetta Full Circle, Admiration, or you know just anything Jetta tells of the Toshigawa wise that y'all have worked on, you know, Martheus has been responsible for the illustrations. And then Jana has been responsible for has been responsible for inking. But not only that, you also share writing chores. Now, yeah. how are y'all able to balance this all out without having to, like, you know, karate chop each other or like, you know, get into like an all out brawl? Not saying that y'all violent. I'm not even trying to advocate, vi you know, domestic violence. He's, he's violent. He's violent. <laughs> I'm not violent. <laughs> 
Uh, not that I'm trying to advocate domestic violence on the PKD black box, but how do y'all balance out these responsibilities and chores in order to get a book done? Mm, well, overall, Anton already has all the, I'm sorry, Martius? Am I re- addressing him as Martius or Anton? You, you can address him any way you want to. Okay, that guy Anton, he um, he basically already has the the entire storyline overview uh, plotted out in his head. So there are like key points that he'll let me know about. He'll be like, okay, uh, at some time I want this to happen. At some point, these two characters need to meet up. At some point, these two characters need to fight. And then I just kind of fill all the in between spots and the dialogue and if it doesn't feel right we will be sure to let each other know uh there was this one particular incident where one of his characters who he portrayed as like this bloodthirsty crazy killing maniac he he at first he wanted to kind of write her as like a redeemed person mm-hmm. and where like yeah where um it was like what happened? Like she was on drugs, or she was possessed by something, something it where it was like something. the killing was not in her character, and then she was, I, I don't know, miraculously healed. And she basically said, to me, it sounded like I know I was crazy and a killer, but I'm all better now. And all the fr- all her friends were like, "Well, thank goodness, thank goodness for that. Welcome back." Wow, you that's know? great. You're back. And I was like, "Come on now, really? If that really happened." Like the movie Gothica, right? With uh, Halle Berry? Yes. She basically killed her husband. Yeah, sure, she was possessed by a ghost. But how in the hell do you make that kind of argument in a court of law? <laughs> man. Uh, Ninja 3 yeah. Denomination. Ninja 3 Denomination, man. Refer back to a, a later uh, PKD Media Black Box podcast <laughs> to hear my, my thoughts on Ninja 3 Denomination and why it doesn't work. And you will understand why... What, mm. what I was about to do with that character will not work. So, right. okay. Oh, uh, you was going to dance the demons away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah dance, dance the demons, demons away. Dance the demons away, man. It just don't happen. <laughs> 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 the demons will always be there. Yes. All right. I'm sorry. Uh, I no, no, it's all right, man. It's, hey, it's, it's all right. Now, one thing I've, al- I've always enjoyed while reading, you know, any Jetta book is the dynamic action that takes place within all of the, within all the drama. Because with this book, it does have, you know, it, it does have soap opera elements, but it's not soap opera like, you know, Days of Our Lives. You know, it's built within this model of action and slice of life, as you mentioned before, within a very, um, uh, I want to say like, you know, meta or astro, astral type setting. Now, like there are other characters, you know, in these stories as well. Uh, you know, not only is there Jetta, but there's also uh, the very exciting Tura. Yeah. Uh, right. which uh, which is which also has been getting a lot of buzz now Tura has been involved in a couple of stories now as as far as her character goes where where do you see Tura going as the Jetta series continues to go along that's a good question because um Tura dude it, it I had all, I've always wanted to do something more with her but I just didn't know what I've always had a really big interest in her because I knew what her backstory was and stuff like that and she originally, when I created her, she was originally going to be a villain, and she was going to be like the anti-Jetta. And what what ended up happening was that I ended up liking the character so much to where, you know, and they worked, it, when I started writing it, 
they worked so well off of each other, Jetta and Tura, because their personalities were almost night and day, that I just kept her as a good guy. And from then on, I didn't have a set plan because I always wanted her to be a bad guy. But, you know, once I took that element away, made her a good guy, kept her that way, I didn't know exactly what to do. So what I ended up doing was it ended up being like the beginning books end up really reading like Tura first book is like almost like a Batman and Robin type of thing or or, or more like Batman and Nightwing or something like that where, you know, it's Jetta and Tura and they're on this adventure together and they're working well together and stuff like that. And then the second book, because the first book I was going to introduce her as a bad guy and it didn't work out, the second book that came out, Tura kind of uh, uh, took a back seat there to the book and then she came back in at the later date. Then she ended up getting her own book, so I had to end up writing her back out of the book. Now it seems like a lot of people, because I've done that, um, the 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 I guess ambiguity or I don't want to say ambiguity, but the the the, the mystery around her and, and the readers of the book has led her to actually have her own fans. It's kind of like almost like the Boba Fett syndrome, mm. where he's there, he's in the background, he looks really cool, and then all of a sudden he's not, and then people are like, oh man, they, 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 the back of their head just start making up these stories about her and stuff like that. So what we've done is we've actually gave her her own spinoff book that's actually coming out later on this year. And once the Jetta book stops, this this main story ends, her story continues. The tour story will continue on. Uh, we've actually I've actually talked to a, a new writer, uh, Sean Taylor, who's uh, we've been talking back and forth, and he's got some ideas about doing some really fun type of stuff because her book is a little bit different. A little bit more fun. It's not so dark and it's not so really serious as the Jetta books. But the Atura books are a lot more fun. They still have dark elements to it. They still have like the martial arts to it and stuff like that. But I mean, she's a gun swinging ninja. You know, you got to have fun with that type of stuff. So that's going to be fun. We're, we're going to be working back and forth with that and stuff like that. And, and I'm just along for the ride with her. You know, I, I see her being more. I can't. It's hard for me to say because the way she ends up taking center stage is kind of tells the end of this story. So it's kind of like I don't want to say too much because then it'll be giving away a little bit how this book ends, right. this story ends. But um, it, it's it's going to be a fun ride. She ends up she ends up being a very very strong character and a very big leader in the Toshigawa clan in her own right. And that's where that's where her book will begin. Going back to the, the character of Jetta, what I've noticed from also from the books I've read, I have a, a free preview of Jetta Full Circle. So, you know, if you go to DCBService.com, you can you can order a copy of Jetta Full Circle. But what I've always noticed is that like all the graphic novels are between 70 to 80 pages. They're full stories, you know, really, really good stuff. But the one thing the one thing that's always been noticed from volume one and even the in-between stories and stuff like that, that the Jetta character as a whole, and, and it's, it's been talked about earlier in this recording, is that this is this is a woman who, I don't want to call her the reluctant hero. She's a hero, you know, she is a hero, but at the same time, it's not that she's a reluctant hero. It's just that she's always, she's coming into her own as a heroine. And right. she's trying to, you know, accept that responsibility, but at the same time, 
not trying to shun it, but there's just all these things that she has to take on in becoming in becoming a in becoming a hero. And there's this right. constant growth, and that's a word that we right. it's a set of words that we use on the show a lot. Constant growth, and and in doing that. Because there's not like a lot of, like I said, there's not a lot of independent female lead superstars in comics. Right. There's not. Right. Now, it's pretty much a man's game um, as far as like, you know, right. as far as heroes go, you know, whether it be tights or capes or whatever. There aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of ladies doing their thing. So what is the one constant with Jetta that the both of y'all enjoy most? Um, you want me to take it first, Janet? Yes. Okay. Well, the one thing that I enjoy the most is... Um, being able to illustrate the character uh, character that I love the most, you know what I mean, it's, and be able to uh, if you, if you if you know me personally, uh, you know that there are a lot of things on a day to day basis or year to year basis that I have have either gone through or have had to deal with uh, inside and outside of comics. Most of the time, all of those things end up being in the book at some point. Just because I write Jetta based off of my experiences, and, and, and I've always believed that the best writers and the best stories are always coming from their your personal experience in some form or fashion. So, a lot of her personal gripes and her personal feelings and stuff like that are things that that I'm trying to relay that I can't relay in any any other way. So. Um, that's one of my most favorite things. That's also the reason why she is a woman character. At first, she was going to be a guy when I first when I first was doing all these character designs and stuff like that years and years and years and years and years ago. But as guys, I just I can't I can't write a guy as emotionally invest. I can't I can't put on paper emotional investment into that character as much as I can for a woman. You know what I mean? So it ended up being, the guy ended up being a woman and the woman ended up being Jetta. You know what I mean? So that's one of the, the best things that I like, like about creating the character and writing the character and illustrating the character. Another thing is that as a guy, I just like to draw women. You know what I mean? I, it's, I grew up drawing like, I, I, drew, I grew up drawing like Batman and Superman and stuff like that and, and mimicking George Perez, and mimicking John Byrne, and mimicking Masamune Shiro, you know what I mean? I'm mimicking these guys, but at the same time, I was like, man, I like to draw women. So I started looking at, you know, uh, you know like heavy metal and stuff like that, and, and, and being able to draw from there, and being able to draw, like, from anime, and they draw very, you know, voluptuous, you know, women and stuff like that. So, you know, I started being a fan of that, and that poured into my artwork when I started doing Jetta. So, and, and weirdly enough, even though it has been a man's game in comics and the majority of our readers are guys, we have a very big woman fan base and they're vocal. And it's, you know, I, that's something I, that I can't fathom happening, you know. But those, those are the things that I love about doing Jetta. You know what I mean? It's, 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 and, and it's that freedom to be able to do that personally for me and still find a voice with uh, readers and things like that is, is what I love the most. Uh, it's really weird that you said that because I was kind of thinking along the same lines. What I was what I was going to say was my point of view might be a little bit different. And like if you get a copy of Full Circle, you'll see how what my thoughts and feelings are at the tail end. But basically, 
uh, to sum it up, um, like when I first started working with Anton on Jetta, because it was all his world, all his characters and stuff, it, it didn't feel like a part of me. It just felt like something I was doing to help him. But, um, like, as, as he said, like, um, all the different conflicts that happened in real life, all the struggles and, and happiness and stuff, uh, was actually drawn out or, or even conveyed in some kind of way in the different comic books uh, of Jetta that we were working on. Mm-hmm. It, it, um, it showed a definite progression and, and you use the word, growth for her character and that's that was like to me that brought me closer to Jetta and the books and it brought me you know it, it made me invested invest you know invested me into the books so um yeah that's that's the thing that I I really enjoyed about Jetta was just watching her progress watching the storylines and all the, not just Jetta but all the different characters uh grow and progress and and develop and come into their own and I guess in a way it was like it was like I was I was growing along with them I guess you could say I don't know I hope maybe some of our readers felt the same way while they read our books <laughs> I gotta say that you know I, I feel like that especially looking back at the artwork I've grown tons you know what I mean the, from the first book I cringe you know art wise this book right here I'm extremely happy with you know so I, I know that I've grown uh, just art-wise, but I mean, um, you know, uh, uh, emotionally, creatively, you know, since since the time where I found myself drawing uh, full, I mean, last chances, and now full circle, I mean, dude, it's just been a huge, huge emotional growth, you know what I mean? And I, I, I want to be able to convey that inside of the characters and inside the story. It's just been a growth about... You know, the, the, the basic story of Jetta is about being able to uh, see things without hindrance or being able to see things without uh, these, these, um, these preconceptions of what you believe should, should be true. You know, and that's, that's my life. My, my whole life is that, is just trying to be able to get over the thing of what I believe should have happened, should be true, or should be going on right now. And when I look at where I was and where I am now, do hands or feet I'm, I'm I'm a lot better at being able to deal with things like that you know and then especially things in this, in, the, in this book I've got a whole dissertation about what I believe you know about diamonds in there but you know hey you know I mean, I mean <laughs> like them like to leave it like her leave it you know I'm you could kill you, you could kill me for it later on but if you don't you know, don't agree with it but that's all in there um uh, as well, there's there's a there's my beliefs in there it's coming out through the characters, my beliefs on how people should interact inside the comic book world. You know, um, entities with you know friends within the comic book world. How 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 that should be able to be portrayed within the auspices of where the industry is right now. That's in there, you know, and and it's just it, I'm I'm in I'm inside that book. That's the only thing to say. You know what I mean? And that's what I love about it. Now, Janet, you, not only do you, you know, work together with Martheus to make sure Jetta comes to life, 
um, with every book that's released, but you also do graphic design and, you know, you also do the art thing. As a matter of fact, I remember a while ago, you had this beautiful, beautiful Wonder Woman piece. And, um, and there was also this other piece that you did. I'm not, I'm not sure if you put it together and just did the colors or, uh, or, or did like the whole thing, but it was, uh, I want to say it was black canary, like kicking a, uh, like a punching bag or something like that. I can't remember specifically. That's correct. She was kicking a punching bag. Yes. A sandbag. Yeah. Yes. That stuff's like really beautiful and the colors are just like, you know, the colors just make the artwork shine. It's just, they're wonderful pieces. And oh, you're welcome. And I was wondering because we know we know about all about Martheus's influences and everything. Mm -hmm. What about you? What are some of your artistic influences? Oh my goodness, I draw from all sorts of different sources, and some of them I I don't know if they're actually conveyed in in my style completely or not. But like, I am a great big fan of animation. 2D animation is my first love. Uh, 3D is starting to kick it up a notch, but you know now that all these little little fly-by-night studios are popping up and doing what, like these. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it, but they're like talking like Nomeo and Juliet, got, <laughs> huh? Talking like Nomeo and Juliet. This stuff just pops out of nowhere. You mean? Yeah, and you're kind of like, oh, okay. I guess that's something to kill the time with for the kids. You know that. Mm -hmm. It's nothing like, you know, I, I I don't know how to explain. I don't I don't want to sound like I'm knocking them, even though I guess I am. <laughs> but but it's like you know, there's there's a way to craft your art, and even with 3D stuff, you could tell who it is that actually loves doing what they do, and who it is that's like, hey, I got a program, let's make a few dollars, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, 2D animation is my all-time favorite. When I was a kid, I was a little military brat, so we spent time like in different parts of the world and like one of the last international places that I consciously remember was we lived in Okinawa, Japan. And they were and they had they had like anime on at all times of the day all times of the day. Very it nice. didn't matter if it was daytime or nighttime. It came after the news. You know, it was like in between game shows and soap operas. It didn't matter. But, um, like, it was like I took notice of how the shading was done, how the movements were, how, um, how the character designs were. Now, that's not to say that I didn't love, like, stuff like Disney or... <sighs> Or filmation. <laughs> you know, filmation is kind of well, we know. <laughs> yes, yes, we know. No, filmation's been talked about a number of times, number of times but, on this podcast. But you know, it was uh, that's my childhood. That's that's stuff that I remember growing up on. Yes. GI Joe, Transformers. You know, one of the things that I loved about GI Joe was also the storylines. But um, as far as artwork. Is concerned like 2D animation, Art Deco, Art Nouveau. What else? Oh my God, this is really bad. But there, <laughs> there is a guy whose actual style is something that I've I've always loved, and I don't even know his name. I'm sure someone's gonna call me on it too. But uh, his art is like washes of flat color, and it's all these beautiful dark-haired women. 
And you see them up in nail salons everywhere. <laughs> but I think, you know, I think, <laughs> but I think he was an actual, you know, an actual artist and they just took his stuff and put it in uh, nail salons. So, <laughs> I mean, if someone could, could help me out with his name. I know you're talking about because Adam Hughes uh, uses. I was, mm-hmm. I was gonna say I know you're talking about because Adam Hughes uses. Uh, he, he he his art reminds me of Adam Hughes' stuff sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'll I can't have to look it up. Someone stuff. told me about. Uh, told me his name once, and then um, and shoot, I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are mainly my influences. Now, because you mentioned G.I. Joe, I need to know, who is your favorite Joe? Oh, there were just so many. <laughs> Dude. You know what? I don't... Actually, I I gotta say this. Can I pick a bad guy? Yes, you can. Zartan. Zartan was my favorite guy. All right, that's <laughs> cool. What about you, Martheus? Who's your favorite? Man, I'm gonna have to be the cop out and say Snake Eyes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I know everybody. Everybody was like, "Man, everybody loves Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow." Man, mm-hmm. there's a reason why people love Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. They're freaking ninjas, and they got they come from a, a, the Arashikage Ninja Clan. I mean, you can't. You gotta love that. You Just took the name Arashikage. You took it there, did you? Gotta you? Love that. Yeah. You took it there. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not love that? My homeboy is Stalker. You know, and as time and as time went along yep. in the in the beginning of the series, he was pretty prevalent. And as time went along in the cartoon, you saw him less and less. But I always remember any time there was a new stalker action figure, you know, my mom or my pops made sure I had it. Oh, and, cool. you know, really? Yeah, man. See, my family cracks me up to this day and especially like on like on my dad's side. When I was a kid, it did not matter what the toy line was. They made sure I had the black action figure. And it, it, it was, it, and I would just, you know, I would laugh, you know, I still, I still laugh about it to this day. They made sure I had the black action figure. Like, um, when Rocky had those toys by Remco in the eighties, my aunt Sherry, yeah, made, my, yeah. my aunt Sherry made sure I had Apollo Creed. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? I still got my Apollo Creed yeah. too. It's just still over here. But, um, like say for instance, like with He-Man, He-Man is a perfect example. The original Mattel He-Man, there weren't really any black characters. So right, right, what right. my what my aunt what my aunts and uncles would do they would like form this committee, and they would vote on who's the closest to being a black character. <laughs> so that's how Stra- that's how Stratos ended up in my house. For, Stratos, you know, yeah. yeah, that's how yeah. that's how yeah. Stratos ended up in my house. You know, for the holidays because they they, they just <laughs> vote they voted on Stratos. Yeah, Stratos was the black character back in the day, man. He was the black He Man character, and then they got um. Um, um, uh, crap. What was his name? Zodak. Um, um, well, Zodak. No, they got Zodak the black one? guy. Oh, uh, Zodak wasn't. He originally wasn't black. He originally, he originally he was, he was wasn't was white dude. Yeah. Originally. Oh, I'm thinking of the new. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Think of the new one. Yeah. See, the new the new Zodak is black because Mattel like Mattel's like, hey, if that's gonna make us money, Denzel them up. We don't care. Do it. <laughs> you know, because Mattel and Mattel Mattel ain't scared of money. They'll take it. I also remember my relatives getting together and having a powwow during the superpower the superpowers toy line. You know, they was like, well, okay, because they could never find Cyborg because Cyborg was always a hard one to find. Right. So they made a right. vote. They made a vote and they got me Martian Manhunter. 
<laughs> you know, and which is funny because in the 90s, I was like, well, that's pretty much the black dude anyway. So, right. <laughs> you know, and then he then like in the cartoon, the Justice League cartoon, he's voiced by Carl Lumbly. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was like, yeah, that's the black dude. That's the other black dude. So we got John Stewart yeah. and we got John Jones. So I was like, we good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we straight. But not now that I've taken us on a tangent. Let me let me rein it back in. <laughs> I didn't mean to make it. I didn't mean. I didn't mean to turn it into the black action figure hour. I apologize. Oh, uh, That'll be the next podcast. Before you leave, before you leave the subject, I used to. They used to. They used to have that that same thing too, man. You know what I'm saying? The only reason why I think that I got I got uh, a snake eyes is because nobody knew who he was at first. Yep. He was just a black a black suited character. This was before they even. He was a mold, pretty much, of something, and and they were like, "Oh, there you go," mm. you know, that and Roblox. Yes, <laughs> boy. To this day, to this day, it cracks me up to no end when they first introduced Roblox, and it was, I think it was the GI Joe Revenge of Cobra series, uh, a mini series. Uh-huh. Like he got yeah. caught, he got caught on that Cobra, uh, Cobra convoy truck with that uh, lady cowboy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that yeah. lady cowboy was starting talking shit and everything, and he was like. I'm with G.I. Joe. I'm a chef and my name is Roadblock. Every yeah. time every time Whoa. I hear that every, I'm for real. Go Did back. We have that episode we needed. <laughs> Take a look at that. We got it. Go we got back. It. We got it. Oh. oh man. Yes, go back and watch that. I fell out. <laughs> because the hub they were you know, they played G.I. Joe late at night and for a while I had him on D V R. And so that episode was on so I was just watching it. And when he said that part, I laughed so hard because when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, you tell him, Roblox. Now, yeah. now I'm just like, did you have to give all that away? You know, was, was it necessary? He's like, I'm going to let you know who I am up in this piece. Like, yeah. like being a chef is important. I'm like, you part of G.I. Joe. You know, you ain't got to eat. Don't knock it. No, I ain't trying to knock. I'm just saying, you, are you? Is he trying to get a date, or is he trying to like you know go to work? That's what I'm trying to find out. You know? I think it was both in that episode. Though I think it was like kind of a little bit of both, man. They were alluding to some stuff in that episode. That, that was hilarious, man. That's some funny stuff. Yeah. See, I love those old Joe cartoons. But okay, okay, let me let me put the train back on the track. All right. <laughs> Now, with Jetta, there's a lot of martial arts action. I know, Martheus, you being involved in the martial arts and kickboxing and stuff like that. How much how much of your um, study of martial arts and kickboxing goes into the process of making this comic? All of it. Tell you the truth. Everything that everything that, that I know and if I learn something new, man, it goes straight up into the comic. Because if you notice... The first part, the beginnings of the, of, if you go back and read the first book, the first book, Jetta pretty much uses a lot of Shotokan techniques, a lot of, uh, a lot of kicks and things like that, a lot of side kicks, a lot of, a lot of, uh, reverse punches and, and, and things like that. In this new book, and, and, and as it gets progressively, you know, uh, newer and progresses the story, she starts using more kickbox, more Muay Thai. Uh, she even breaks down and uses some grappling. I mean, all that stuff is, is is almost like exactly when I started learning. I was like, oh, this is cool. Oh, man, it'd be cool if Jetta broke somebody's arm right quick. Oh, it'd be cool Aww. if she put him in a triangle chokehold. You know what I mean? So it's like it kind of it, 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 it progresses with the knowledge that I have. So everything that I pretty much know as a martial artist, 
not everything that I know, but everything that, that, that interests me as a martial artist actually ends up being in the book at, uh, at one time or another. So I, I try to make it as much, uh, I don't know, as, as realistic of a fight as possible. I know in this, this next book, it gets kind of outlandish. It gets kind of like, oh my gosh, it, somebody would be dead if they got hit that hard. You know, that type of stuff. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but I try to keep it as, as, as grounded and, and, and some sort of martial arts reality as, as I possibly can with the still being a comic book and with the still being dealing with superpowered individuals, you know? Yes. Now, Janet, now, do you have, like, any, like, martial arts training or has, like, or has Martheus ever took out some time to, like, teach you some stuff or is this something that's but just, I like... I wouldn't be a, a defenseless, helpless woman out in the world. No, I ain't saying that. I ain't saying that. I know, look, I know, look, I know you can scrap. No, no, I we, live, we live in Memphis. So, you know, knowing how to kick someone in the shin and run away is, is a helpful thing sometimes. Okay. It's a helpful thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not formally trained in any type of actual martial art. He did try to teach me some um, basic kata, uh, Shotokan Karate kata. And I think I got the first one to memory down kind of badly because I, I just don't practice. So I apologize <laughs> that front. But I do know how to throw a correct, like, all the correct punches and kicks as far as kickboxing goes. Okay. I know how to do combinations and stuff like that and, and work the bag and maybe even sometimes maybe do some light sparring. But but other than that, no, I, I, I've not been formally trained. In fact, the um the Black Canary piece that you had mentioned earlier was actually I, I I took a picture of myself to reference off of so that that I could uh, see how correctly you know a, a roundhouse kick would be thrown. Wow! Hmm? Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. See, she's 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 pretty good. She's pretty she's pretty good at um uh, you know when I first when I first started trying to train her she didn't want to do it and then I was like man it's a good workout and then she started coming and then she saw me get beat down at my black belt test. And she was like, oh, I want to do that. So, it was like, oh, <laughs> so, so you see me get beat down, right? Uh-huh. And then you want to get in here and say, hey, I want to do that so I can beat him up. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, she, she, she's really good. She's come a long way, too, as far as martial arts concerned. She's come a long way, mostly studying and kickboxing. But yeah, pretty good. Very nice. Oh, Very nice. So, so if there's ever a ninja invasion at the Wade household, y'all can handle business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Plus on. we got Anakin. We got Anakin from boxing gloves for his birthday yesterday. So oh yeah. boy, uh, <laughs> who gave it? Who gave it to him? Was it? Was oh it yeah, him? Uncle Kevin. Uncle Kevin. Uncle Kevin. Yeah, the editor. Oh, yeah, the editor. The editor of the book. He gave, mm. he gave him some boxing gloves. So yeah, we got a family. We're gonna. We got a family full of scrappers. That's what we're gonna do. Is just call ourselves a family full of scrappers from here on out. And you know that. You know, if it was like the seventies, y'all would have been a Hanna Barbera cartoon. <laughs> Y'all would have been like a traveling family that like goes from like comic book convention to comic book convention, and every convention y'all go to, there's a mystery. Yeah, and like you know, y'all have to scrap, but because it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon, you can't kick nobody or hit anybody in the face. Yeah, so like you have to like you have to like punch barrels so the barrels will knock over yeah. people. Oh yeah, and you know and stuff and stuff like that, and then you have your headquarters. You have like a like a base somewhere where like we have a headquarters. Yes, you have a headquarters where Kevin will like let you know what's going on and get you proper information. See, 
and, and, and see, and y'all would come on right after Ricky D. Rocket. Exactly. <laughs> Or that dude, you know that, uh, that 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 car that used to turbo team. Oh, tur- oh yes, <laughs> turbo team. Yes. <laughs> I like that premise. I'm gonna start telling people that that's our real life for real. Yes, I'm telling you. That and it- then at the end of the show, we we go to our band and we do a music montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with with a DJ and a light show. There we go. Yep. <laughs> but but speaking of kids, speaking of kids, you talked about the little one, uh, the young one, Anakin, who, uh, as of this recording, uh, celebrated his birthday yesterday. So happy belated birthday. Oh. Now. Yeah, thank you. Oh, okay. tell, tell him I said you're welcome. Now, <laughs> you know, because y'all, you know, not only do you do Jetta, you know, but y'all also have, you know, your nine to five jobs. And y'all, you know, y'all hustle every single day. But, you know, you have a little one in the mix. So how does balancing, you know, having your know, child and family life and then on top of having a job and then, you know, everything going on with uh, with Toshigawa, with uh, MAW slash Toshigawa Productions, how do y'all balance all that out? Wow. I don't know. Yeah, it's, what it's, are we it's, doing? <laughs> it's pretty, it's, I, I, I can honestly say it, it, it gets pretty tough sometimes um, just because uh, um, the the rigors of being a parent is is very demanding. You, you're not in a position to be able to create as much as you want to. I don't care what anybody says. You just you're not going to be able to 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 be as productive as you want to. For this book, um, primarily the reason why I came out so late is just because you know me and Janet can't work on the same project together anymore like we used to. Before it used to be to where we both sat down. If I was going to be drawing a page out, she was going to be inking the next page. If I was inking on one page, she was inking at the back of the book, trying to meet me to the front. You know what I mean? So, so it was um, it was a little bit more uh, a fast-paced story um, and, and production line. But this time around for this graphic novel, it was it was almost like me being in last chances again because I was doing penciling and inking all at the same time plus doing graphic design all at the same time. So so it was like I was doing pretty much primarily all the creative end, and then I would give pages to Janet to help me keep it going. But when she was working with the pages, I would be with Anakin. So it's like we would have to switch off like that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of reward. It's, it's, it's really rewarding when you see things happen, like he would come up and he would want to draw, you know, um, with you or uh, to my mistake on your actual illustrations while you're <laughs> illustrating them. So, he was helping you, man. He was helping me. He out. was helping me out and, and I couldn't get mad about that. But you know, and it's still still you know but it's it's really gratifying to see stuff like that happen when when he's he's, you know, taking an interest and stuff. Um but it it is kinda hard. It's a really, really tough uh balancing act when you're trying to do that type of stuff, you know. You you know how you know how it is, Sean. I mean, you have like the nine to five, so that means that your time is spent. You know, most of your majority of your day is spent at your nine to five. Mm-hmm. When you get home, you got to have some downtime, and then you're working late into the night in order to finish. You know, either a podcast or to write, write or to lead action lab. You know, things like that. You know, whereas it's the same thing here with me and 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 Janet. You know, I mean, when we get home, we have some downtime. I 
want to spend time with, with Anakin. And then after I spend my time, I come up to my office and I just draw until I finish whatever I got to finish, which is could be late into the night. Mm-hmm. And Janet's down there with Anakin. Or, you know, you know, if she has to do some T-shirt designs or something that she's working on, then I'm with Anakin the majority of the time and she's doing that. Mm-hmm. It's a definite adjustment. I, I could believe that. I, I, there, there are no kids in the prior household, but trust me, I, 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 we live vicariously through all of our friends. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, so we feel y'all. We, we feel y'all. We really do. We really do. We are almost wrapping up our conversation with Martheus and Janet uh, today. But before we do that, you know, we want to remind everybody that you can get uh, Jetta full circle at DCBService.com, correct? Right, right, right. If you pre-order it in the month of, of March that it's up there, you can also get a free story, which is a free digital story, which is called Admiration. And it ties into the... Um, the full circle story and it gives you some good in-depth information on one of the characters and her motivations and the reason why things end up the way they do inside the story so uh, uh, it's a really good promotion plus it's free man I mean how can you beat free you know <laughs> hey speaking of free do you mind if I uh, tell about the little the DC Universe contest by all means please oh no no oh no, okay uh, well, um, someone who uh, is friends with us on Facebook ha- and uh, goes online on, to play uh, DC Universe Online um, actually said that they encountered someone who had created a Jetta character. Um, so basically what, what uh, we're doing is we're doing a contest. This is also for a free copy of a Jetta book. Um, is that if you are a player and you screen cap Jetta and like either email it to us or tag us on Facebook with it or anything like that, uh, you will get a free Jetta book sent to you. Um, Now, there are only two slots open because the the guy who actually informed us about this was the first one on it. (laughs) So he He was was the the first one. He was like, hot damn, I'm getting me a book. Screen cap. (laughs) So, so we got two more people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He screen capped her right before she like, uh, incinerated him or something. Which is awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) I have no idea. And seriously, we we don't even have the money or the time to play DC Universe Online, so it is not us yes. that's playing it. Someone yeah, is doing yeah. this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not us, though, so it's not a publicity stunt. So. Oh, my goodness. Where else can they find more information about Jetta or Tura or Tales of the Toshigawa? Oh. Um, well, I mean, you can go to uh, com. Uh, that's where we have all the books up. We even have uh, full circle uh, for pre-order there as well. But you know, we're trying to get everybody to go through BCBS and trying to help them out as well. Um, uh, and we had some up on Heroes Corner as well, so we were trying to help them out, uh, help our friends out with stores first. But Toshigawa.com, um, um, uh, back back issues of, of uh, back vo- back volumes uh, of Jetta are there. Um, 
as well as free web stories. Every Friday, I put up a free web story. Um, right now, we're in the middle of uh, Last Chances. I'm putting it up um, uh, one page at a time. That was our first graphic novel. It's being colorized by Gareth Melvin, excellent colorist in, uh, out of um, South Africa. Hmm. Um, and um, he's, uh, he's doing the colors on it. And I'm doing a little bit more embellishing on it just to kind of make the artwork look a little bit better because I cringe when I see it. But... You know, we're still putting we're still putting it up. It has you know if you read if you pick up full circle, if you read if you're reading last chances at the same time as you're picking up full circle, and it means so much because you can see uh, so many uh, shadows that I've laid all the way back in last chances um, come to fruition here in full circle. So it's really really nice to be able to to end cap those things at the same time. So, and that's completely free. We've got, you know, a video on, on pushgal.com. So pretty much is, you know, going to pushgal.com, give you all the information and links to our Facebook page as well. So. Nice. Well, well, Martheus, Janet, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, continued best with Jetta. Oh, and continued best with the uh, Defiance uh, Jetta movie as well. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks, 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 thanks. We're, we're trying, we're trying to get that under wraps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, could, I forget that that's going on because we don't do it. So, yeah. but, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah, thanks, dude. I'm, oh. I'm, we're trying to get that under wraps. Oh, yeah, Je- yeah. For, for those that don't know, uh, Jetta is in the process of uh, being a live-action film. It is in development. It is, you know, they've actually, like, you know, shot footage. It is in development. It's actually rolling. So, uh, you know, as, as we all patiently await to see when it will be released, you know, seriously, congratulations, because you can't, you know, there aren't a lot of independent publishers doing their thing where their book gets turned into an actual movie. Yeah, contracts have been signed, development deals have been signed with many, but you can't, they all can't say they've all actually been filmed. Right. right. Well, thanks, man. Thank yeah. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very uh-huh. welcome. But no, but in all seriousness, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, man, thanks for having us on the show, especially since thanks we ain't sir. got Skype. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Returning from the Carol Chronicles podcast, where he just recently gave you Oscar predictions, is the one and only John Carroll. John, how you doing, sir? Uh, I'm tired. Ran this morning. I ran a half marathon. Why? I have no earthly clue reason why, but, yeah, that's it. You are you are running full, man. It's the only way I can keep weight off. Uh, I, I understand. I understand. I have a elliptical here that I that like I've decided to hop back on. I haven't because been I've been so busy. You know, I haven't really had time to work out, but it's not like I'm eating heavy. You know, my weight's the, my weight's still the same, but I don't feel in shape, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got invented the cheeseburger for a reason to go into my belly, and uh, because of that, I have to run a lot. So. <laughs> Do you have a five guys in your neighborhood? No, we are. I'm a, I hate to say it, I'm a Big Mac or a guy, so. Oh, dude, dude, dude. The uh, McDouble is also Ill- should be illegal. The Mc- a dollar for a cheese bur- for a double cheeseburger. Hey, wait a minute. Now, what's now? Isn't the difference between a McDouble and a double cheeseburger is the fact that the double cheeseburger has two slices of cheese and the McDouble just has one? Yeah, and forty cents. <laughs> you pay forty cents for a piece of cheese. No, I haven't eaten a McDonald's burger in ages, dude. 
I mean, it has been ages. I remember years ago, I mean, years and years ago when I was an honorary Jamaican and I had like four jobs. <laughs> and one of the jobs was from like two in the morning till about two or three in the morning till about six or seven in the morning. Three days a week, I would um, unload truck for McDonald's. And, and it, was, it was a set of like, um, or independently owned McDonald's. And my last day on the job, the guy who was my supervisor was like, hey, you want to take some stuff home? And I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. And this was stuff that was about to expire, but, you know, it still had enough, way more than enough time for it to be cooked. So, you know, I got some, uh, you know, Big Mac patties, which were essentially cheeseburger patties, the uh, grilled chicken breast, which was actual chicken. So I got those. I took them home, put them in the freezer. And one day I was hungry. So I said, you know what? I'm just going, I, got, I had a foreman grill. And with that former girl, I said, okay, I'm going to cook some of these burgers up. So I took out the cheeseburger patties. And they, you know, were pretty decent sized. Dude, I put them in that foreman grill. By the time the foreman grill was done with those in like three or four minutes, they were the size of like White Castle burgers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everybody I know that says they refuse to eat fast food anymore, followed by after I quit working there. (laughs) No, dude, I don't. I don't mess with their burgers anymore. Every now and then, I'll get I'll get one of their fake Chick Fil A sandwiches, but that's about it. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, also down here, I don't know if it's done it up there yet. The uh, dollar drink is back. Oh no, it's up here too. It's up yeah. here too, man. Folks are killing the sweet tea up here. It's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, I usually just get the let me get a diet coke, no ice, because hey, for the first thirty minutes, it's going to be cold enough, and then I'll just shove it in the uh, fridge at work so I can have it for the rest of the day. Word. But you know what? We ain't here to talk about McDonald's and and, no. and, and their uh, not so healthy fast food. Um, we're actually going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about the iPad too. And practice? No, we ain't here to talk about practice. No, we ain't here to talk about practice. <laughs> no. Or talk about the past? No, 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 no. We're we're not we're not here to talk about Allen Iverson or Charlie Sheen uh, with his crazy ass. <laughs> we talking about practice. <laughs> he said that in one of his interviews, man. And he passed four drug tests. Yo, man. But of course, as somebody pointed out, well, he has been studying all his life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But no, man, we ain't giving this that dude no more time. But no, I want to rap to you about the iPad too. As of this recording, the press conference, you know, the com- press conference came out. They, you know, they said that the new iPad two is thinner, lighter, faster. It's got these new features, a ten-hour battery. It comes in two different colors. All these wonderful things. Um, you're the tech guy, you know, we're both techies. You get knee deep in this stuff like I do, but I wanted to hear your opinions on the iPad too. First, I have to say, let me preface this by, as I always, as my disclaimer, I work for Sprint in my day job. I actually, I work for a third party dealer and I fix phones and I fix all this shit. That said, the iPad and the iPhone are two of the best phones I've ever seen and best device I've ever seen. That is a great operating system. That said, it does have limitations. There's no app switcher like you have with a Android device. But the other big thing is that I, there are a couple things that I wish they had done, honestly. Okay. Looking at it, the uh, camera, yeah, we're uh, it's supposed to be high def, but it's only a one megapixel. So if you take any pictures, you get in that janky camera phone that you got on your uh, camera from about three years ago, four years ago, that you consider top of the line. And the front one is a VGA, which is a 0.3 megapixel or one you had on your phone from five years ago, six years ago. So, yeah, it's going to have to really get the camera speed up. Mm. Okay. So, basically, they're trying to get it for pure and simple video record and for uh, FaceTime. Okay. So, now, so you're thinking that 
iPad. No, this is just personal opinion. So because of like the camera thing, do you think that they will put out, they're already working on a new iPad with a better camera for iPad 3 for like later this year or early next year? iPad 3, which will be out next year, <clears throat> looking at it, the only two things I can say that they will probably, that I feel 100% that they're going to do is going to put the L, what's called four, the 4G, the fourth generation of wireless tech into it, which will be what's better known, LTE. Is what uh, Apple was what AT and T and Verizon call it, and the other big thing I think they'll put on there, I think they'll put a better camera on it just for better recording because I see a lot of people wanting to have a little bit better camera because now especially with FaceTime being such a big thing for Apple lights that have the iPod, iPhone four and now the iPad two. We'll get into the software side later, but yeah, I mean there are some things that they, a lot of people wish they had done. Yeah. I mean, like there's the SD card slot, but uh, the main reason I think why they didn't do it is because they'd have to completely change the OS, which means that they might do it for the next operating system for it because it would not read as expansion. It would read as a separate drive. Yeah, okay. That said, they're still going to sell a fuck ton of it. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. See, I, it was funny because a few weeks ago, my job gave me an iPad. You know, for you know, for, for work, Wi-Fi and, only. Um, it is Wi-Fi only. Yes, uh, it, yeah. But it's still awesome, though. I, I really like it a lot. Read it. Read a few books on it. I read a few comics on it. Um, use Netflix for streaming. I'm like, it's amazing. I have not used this thing for actual work. Work. Yet. <laughs> you know, it's connected. It's connected to my work email. So as long as I've got wireless somewhere, I can get my work email. As long as I have my iPad with me. Yeah. And you know, there's some other apps that were recommended to me that I'm going to put on there. Um, Instapaper, which is really cool. Yeah, that's one of the biggest sellers out there. Yeah, I really like the iPad. But yeah. one thing about the iPad 2, and I'm sure this can probably probably be used on the iPad 1, is their new smart cover. Now, have yeah. you have you seen this? Now, you've seen the smart cover, right? Uh, remind me, which which cover is that? Is that the one that uh, allows a little bit more freedom for it? Yeah, it allows a little bit more freedom. It's it's magnetic, and it's it's this blue foldable cover. It you know it covers the it covers the top of the iPad and it's got a magnet on the it's got magnets on the side so it attaches to the side of the iPad. But the cool thing about the smart the iPad smart cover is is that it's versatile in the fact that like with the original iPad, the case that you could buy with it, you could just turn it, fold it, make it into a stand. But yeah. but the thing is, it was still a little cumbersome. With this new cover, the cover has these indentations on the on the top. And so you can fold it and roll it, and so it can be a stand for when you want to type, you know, in, at an angle, or if you want to like display it, like to display movies or what or whatever, you can flip it up and change it, and then use it that way too. So it's very clever, and there's not a lot to it. Yeah, one thing that uh, a lot of people have wanted them to put out is a is a screen that either a has more pixels because. The iPad One basically has the same case as the iPad, as the one to the two. Mm -hmm. iPad Two and the iPod, iPad One have the same screen. Basically, main reason why they're not going to do it: the battery is pretty is a little bigger mm -hmm. because it's got to compensate for the fast for the dual core faster processor that it has. Yes, you put more met, more pixels on there. It's going to eat the battery life, and they're trying to keep that in the ten in the ten hour range. Other big re thing they wanted was not was an anti glare screen, but let's be honest, Mac's not going to do that. No, because it doesn't look it it doesn't look good. 
Yeah, that that really caught me by surprise. That honestly, I, I thought I, I thought they would do it because you know, I never. You seen that Amazon commercial? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And you know what? I never paid any attention to that until I got until I got my own iPad, mm-hmm. and, and I took it outside, and I'm like, this is kind of jacked up. Yeah, but it's it's still a hell of a device, though. Now let me ask you this: If what if you're outside but you're in shadow? Is it okay, or is it does that disturb it? Did you say walking inside? With, with the uh, when you're outside and it's uh, in sh- is it outside and when you're out in the sun, how is it in shadow? Shadow, it's fine. Okay, because I've got a nook color that uh, if I go out deep into the sun, it gets a, it gets a little wonky. It doesn't have an anti glare screen. Yeah, and, and like in the shade and stuff like that, man, I'm cool. Shade, shadow, I'm good. But direct sunlight, <sighs> rough. Yeah, and that anti glare screen would come in real handy for stuff like I don't know movies. Books, mm-hmm. comics. Yes, yes. So you can sit up because I mean, if somebody sees you on your iPad reading a comic, they go, "What's that?" <laughs> You're like, "Hey, I'm reading this. I'm looking at Mercury and the Bird." There you go. One thing that I'm, I'm hyped about, as far as like the software side, the application side, is that oh, yeah, um, two killer apps coming down. Oh yeah, one app that I that I'm trying to uh, learn a little bit more about. I had this on my regular MacBook Pro. I had a program called Comic Book Lover, which is a comic book reader. It can handle the PDFs and the CBZs and the CBRs. Great program. Well, it's out for the iPad now, so. I'm, yeah. you know, so I'm really stoked about putting that on the the iPad because right now I use the um, just the books app that that iPad has, and I and I did download the Amazon Kindle app as well. Yeah, but I, I'm looking forward to putting Comic Book Lover on there though. Yeah, the um, big thing about that uh, for the for my Droid because I mean it's a the base operating system is Android. I'm the Nook Color. The only thing out really for it is the what's called Droid Comic Viewer. Mm-hmm. They can open up CBR and CBZs. The only problem is if you have a if you don't have a lot of free hard memory hardware memory on it, yeah, it'll crash out a lot. Uh, okay. When you turn a page, because I mean, I got to page, I think it was like forty five fifty. I'm because I'm rereading Age of Apocalypse on mine, and I got to page forty five of the first one right when they're uh, when they've gone to go after uh, Sabretooth and Sabretooth's turning on uh, the acolytes. And it's like, ah, crap! It kept crashing, so I had to reboot the damn thing. That said, and I hate, and I'm. Let's be honest. Most people that have downloaded comics are not purchasing them. They're, they're torrented downloads. So I mean, it's something that reads CBR and CBZ is going to be perfect for those. Yeah. Now I remember I scanned, I scanned the uh, fall. I scan. I have I have the entire Falcon miniseries from Marvel from the eighties. And I sk- Why? You didn't do it just because you're black, right? No, no, I didn't do it just because I was black. I do love that miniseries, though. Hey, man, Falcon's black. I know the Falcon's black, but Falcon fought a Wait sentinel. a minute, I thought Falcon was, uh, who was it? Was Don Johnson? No, dude, that's the wrong, That you're talking about Lieutenant Falcon from G.I. Joe the movie, man. We can't get those mixed up. We can't get the lieutenant mixed up with the real Falcon, Sam Snap Wilson. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, he fought a sentinel in issue two. It's like one of my favorite comic books ever. Anyway, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Now, you talk about the Nook because you have the Nook. Now, is the Nook the same size as the iPad? 
No, it's a seven-inch screen. It's uh, the same as the Galaxy S tab. It's the Galaxy S tab. It's the same, yeah. It's the Nook Color is what I've got. Word. A lot of people have... One thing about Android that's great is that it is an open-source system, so a lot of people have hacked it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my. So, you can, I mean, I could put Honeycomb on it, which was which is what's on, on the uh, Motorola Zoom and everything. I'm just kind of lazy, so all I do is just jailbreak it enough to put uh, new apps on it. Now, I say like, you haven't... I was like, you can't jailbreak yours because it's a work, li- work iPad. So. That is correct, yeah. I'm, and I'm not trying to jailbreak. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Hell no. No, 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 no. I mean, I've got a friend who's going to wait until the iPad 2 comes out, and he's going to go buy an iPad 1 because he said, I don't give a crap about the cameras. No, and I can understand. I mean, there's already there's going to be a price drop, a price drop on, on the iPad 1s anyway, especially on the refurbs. Yeah, because, I mean, the refurbs are already 50 bucks cheaper, and now they're going to be 150 cheaper, which means you could probably get a 16-gig one for about 350 and in a month and a half, you could probably get it for 300 Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 a good price, yeah. man. Yeah. Now that said, the two killer apps I mentioned, one is going to be iMovie. Is going to be out for the iPad too. Really? Yeah, they're putting they're putting that out for it. So you can do. That's why I'm pissed about them putting a shitty camera on there. Because let's say they had put the front camera is like a one megapixel, two, three. And you're do and you're shooting video with it. Yeah, they claim it's going to be 720p, but please it's on on the 10 inch screen it's going to look great but when you try and scale that sucker up using the uh, dongle they're going to put out for it on a 42 inch it's going one megapixel really it's going to be it's going to really? be pixelated yeah it's going to be janky <laughs> to be not to be frank it's going to be janktastic yeah and that's one thing i have to tell people every day i'm like yeah you've got an 8 megapixel camera on your evo and yeah, it looks okay on your phone, but when you take it out and put it on your uh, big screen, yeah, it doesn't look quite as good because it's not as good. No. Nah, but the other killer app, one that you would use, I have not heard whether or not they're going to put this out for iPad 1, but it will be available for iPad 2, and that is GarageBand. Yeah, man, I heard. See, that would be dope for like for me because just for editing... For podcast editing alone, if I could have my iPad with me and just be on the go and like edit a podcast, that would be cool. But see, my whole my, now my whole concern is this though. But it's also going to be available. Both of them are going to be available for iPhone four as well. Okay, okay. I guess my concern would be the whole importing exporting factor. No, they probably have it so when you uh, sync it to your desktop, you could export it. Okay. Out like you would any other file with an iPhone. Yeah, that, that is true. And you'd also have to just make sure that your uh, file that your file space is legit. Or have enough file space so everything else comes off comes off okay. Yeah, the only thing I don't like is that if you're mobile, getting it off of there if you wanted to email it to somebody because I mean, even Gmail has a 25 meg limit. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you would ha- your audio would have to be super tight, but you couldn't do really a lot of video with it. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's say you go to a con and you want to get like a quick five-minute, say, a, vi- a vid- video cast. Because there's a lot of people that do video podcasts. Um, they do audio, and you could do an on-the-fly audio interview with, say, three creators and post it within 15 minutes. And with your iPad, with your iPad you could do it as well. 
Wow. That's why I think it'd be great because think about that. You could go and do interview. You could do about five, six interviews, walk over to the table, edit, combine, post. That would be nice. And drive traffic. You're like, oh, we had these interviews while we were at the con. Come here. Come to a stable tomorrow. I don't like fall over and like, you know, get on my knees every time Apple has a press conference for their devices. But the iPad is just something that I just I've always been impressed with. And the fact that now, at least with the exception of Microsoft, <laughs> with the exception of Microsoft, pretty much you've got a lot of competition now. You know, you got Samsung with the Galaxy. You've got Motorola with the Zoom. You've got the Nook. You've got all these different devices. So people are competing. And that's helping to make the best technology possible for the consumer, which is great. I don't think Microsoft will ever, ever truly get into the game the right way when it comes to stuff like cell phones and ta- and like these these new type of tablet devices. I'm not talking about a laptop tablet. I'm talking about like your iPads and your Nooks and stuff. I don't think they'll ever get it right. Yeah, iPhone. Yeah, iPhone Seven is a good phone operating system, but they. You mean Windows Seven? iPhone, uh, the, yeah, their uh, their uh, Windows Phone Seven. Oh, That's Windows what I meant Phone to say. Seven. Okay, okay, gotcha. They waited two years too late to put it out because they fell behind and they lost a lot of market share to BlackBerry, Android, and iPhone. iOS is, I mean, iOS is a great operating system. I mean, you've got an Android, right? Yes, I do. I have the uh, I have LG Ally with the Android software. Yes. Android's good. It's mm-hmm. not quite as good as an iPhone. Is not is not as good as iOS. I mean, you play. You have iOS. Would you? You would agree it's a better operating system. I, I think it's more stable. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. for sure. That's for sure. Because from having a i an iPod Touch first gen, first mm-hmm. generation iPod Touch and now this iPad, no lockups, no freezes, no hangups. Absolutely solid operating system. Yeah, I I wanted one instead. I got the Nook because I was like I couldn't justify the cost. Hmm. That is the uh, that is one downside of uh, of the iPad, and that's what's going to hurt them is that it's like oh really five hundred dollars for your base level, or I can buy this over here for four hundred or three fifty. Uh, but it's Apple; they'll still sell a fuck ton. The NFL has agreed to an extension of the collective bargaining agreement. I know, like, people are like, Chuck, like, they're talking sports in the PKD black box. They haven't done that since, like, episode one. But, um. Well, I am on. So. Oh, no, dude, it's all good. It's cool, man. We, we, I am going to buy you Super Pro at some point if I can dude, find it. No, no, no copies of Super Pro. That is, like, one of the worst comics ever made next to the uh, WCW uh, comic book that came out by Marvel back in the day. I don't know. I did read. You didn't read that horrible uh, one that Jerry Lawler did the covers on that came out about a year or two ago. Was that was that the one released uh, through uh, Marcos Marcosia? Marcos? Yeah, that was by Marcosia. It was that bad. Ugh, the art, the art was. Let's put it this way: it was bad. Okay. Okay. It was bad. Um. You know, on, on the on the quick tip, do you think there's going to be a long? Do you think there's going to be a major strike in the NFL? If they don't agree to something within the 24 hour deadline, I think it'll go until about a week before training camps begin. Okay. The only reason I could see them doing it earlier was just for the draft. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. 
I mean, holy I'm, crap! You can buy all. You can buy near mint copies of all of Super Pro for a total of. Holy crap! Everything but the last issue is a dollar ten. They shouldn't even be that much. The last issue you can pay for in very good condition for a dollar seventy. Good condition for ninety cents. <laughs> No, that's mm, awesome. Let's see. I think I know what you're... Oh, you could buy the first issue and very good for 80 cents. No, they should all... Man, those should all be free. <laughs> all those books should be free. Who did we... Who is the author? Who is the... Uh, Wasn't it Fabian uh, Nichesa? That was Fabian Nichesa. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got NFL tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got NFL tickets. It's like, really? You got it. Really? Tickets, man. Hey, that was a boom. That was that was during the boom bust era, man. Like Marvel, you know, people people like you know kind of joke about all the titles that Marvel has now, especially with the imbalance of how they release books. One week you'll get twenty books, the next week you'll get three from Marvel. But I remember the days where everybody at Marvel had a title, and, and it didn't matter like if a character, especially if it was like Spider Man characters, like Solo, Solo got a book. He was like a special guest for like a couple issues of a Spidey book, then got his own book. Then there was a Prowler. Prowler got his own book. And then they had their generic version of Spawn called Nightwatch. <laughs> Marvel, I mean, dude, they put out a shit ton of books. You tell me, like, people, people, like, you know, get upset because they think they flood the market now. They flooded it even worse back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm looking at the WCW book, by the way. Sting is on the cover on five of the books. Yep. Five of the 12. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Dude, Ron Simmons has got like oh, this weird looking bullety Jerry Curl fro in one. That was, I think that was when he was part of that tag team called Doom. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. At, yeah, that's the right in the Doom era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, 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 and for listeners of the PKD Black Box, we will be having an episode that will air sometime probably in eh, probably three or four podcasts from now where myself and John, with some special guests, we're going to talk about some of our favorite wrestlers, uh, wrestling storylines and moments in professional wrestling from the, from the 80s and 90s. So go ahead and get ready for that because we're going to mix it up a bit. Holy crap, they have a WWF Lifestyles of the Brutal and Infamous written uh, two stories. First one, written by Laura Hitchcock with art by Don Perlin and Dave Lapham. Wow. That's not even the worst. Second one, Painter Peace, written by Shooter with art by Ditko. What? I'm not joking. Ditko did some WWF work? Yes. Dude, this is like one of those times you just go, who's a, oh, wait, he needed money. Yeah, man. He needed money. Hey, but but see, during that period of time, though, Shooter made sure veterans got work. Yeah. As much as anybody, if you want to get on him for uh, all of he he did, and let's be honest, there's a lot of shit that Shooter did bad. The man got the man would give people work. Yeah, the, the man would give people work, and he would also make sure that, that a lot of stuff came out on time. Because if it didn't come out on time, you go to the editor and be like, you know, why isn't this book coming out on time? That's your responsibility and your job. You're off. And they yeah. go and they go find somebody who could get it out on time. So yeah, because that's and he got paid more. Sure did. That was the thing for him. It's like, ooh, I need, I want to get paid. Uh, I'm yeah, got less Steve Dicko. Steve probably needed cash at the time because about that time, I don't think he had gotten a lot of. Uh, I don't think he was getting a lot of royalties. Yeah, that's probably true. 
But see, but like, you know, but Don Perlin, you know, see a lot, and it cracks me up how, how like a lot of people, like a lot of our generation will dog artists like Don Perlin, Don Heck, and stuff like that. I understand why they dog Vinnie Coletta. I do. I understand, I understand that. You know, and some of that is Coletta's fault. Some of that is just, you know, the deadlines that he got put under at the last minute. But still, he's did a lot of bad stuff. And I'm talking about bad meaning bad. But like cats like Perlin, Heck, uh, Bob Hall, a lot of these guys don't get that respect they deserve. These dudes worked hard and they actually are very good artists. But, yeah. you know, but, I, you know, either the books they were on were bad or they just got this bad rap that the, some of them were never able to break. And I never understood that. I never understood why they they never got the pass. Yeah, I mean, if you think about think back at it, I mean, everybody goes after those guys who it's pretty much everybody before the uh, 76, 77 when a lot of the uh, the court cases started coming down on royalties. Yeah. And when stuff got rewritten in the mid 80s is when that's why, I mean, as everybody said, that's why you don't have showcases past a certain point, why you don't have Marvel Masterworks or you don't have a lot of stuff past a certain point because – Honestly, they don't. The contracts had changed, so they would have to give them reprint rights, and they don't want to have to give them the reprint rights. That's why I've always said that's going to be the is going to be the killer tip over for a lot of people for digital when they get those contracts redone and they agree to pay people for that older stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I want an Atlantis Attacks trade paper. Well, wait, there is one out, and I didn't buy it. Maybe not for that price, but I mean, think about. It. I mean, your favorite all time. Uh, uh, book Millennium. No, 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 no. That is not my favorite all-time book. I can't stand that miniseries. That has so that has so much promise. <laughs> that book, that had so much bad art in it. It's scary. You know what? No, see, it, no oh, a generation. Was it? No. What was the? What was the uh, one that relaunched the Justice League? The one that relaunched the Justice League was Legends. Legends. Yeah, that's Legends. Is your favorite? Is one of your favorites? Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, but Invasion what? is my favorite. <sighs> Okay, okay. I love Invasion. Maybe it's because, and I remember talking about this on an episode a long time ago with Donnie, maybe it's because the trade paperback for Invasion that I had was Not just... So that's what the one that's out now says. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, because that was their knock on Marvel, but yeah. it was just the miniseries and none of the tie-ins, and because the tie-ins had such a crucial, held such a crucial... Um, they were such a crucial point to the series as a whole, okay? You yeah. had you had to read those crossovers. And if you just had the mini the actual invasion mini series, I would go from issue to issue like, okay, I've missed out on a lot between issue 1 and 2. What the hell went on between 4 and 5? I mean, I could pick up on it. Still, there's so much missing. And it hurts Millennium the Millennium is almost as bad. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and see, I got caught up in that when I was a kid. Oh, I really got caught up in Millennium because the crossovers were very entertaining. Okay, for the most part, the crossovers were entertaining, but the miniseries as on it, yeah, as you know, as a whole, was awful. Because here's the thing: I'm a, I like Joe Staten, but you got to get the right inker on Joe Staten to make Joe Staten art look artwork look top notch for superhero stuff. Like if you go back and read the Huntress trade paperback, which were the backup stories from like you know like seven like seventies DC, they put them all on a trade. And a lot of some of the stories are inked by Bob Layton and Joe Staten's pencils with Bob Layton's inks are off the fucking hook. But with Millennium, I don't I can't remember who inked his stuff. It just didn't come off right. It really didn't. 
it could also have been the fact that they uh, scanned the the comic book or scanned the or didn't get a scan from the plate. Yeah, because uh, the '80s were like the last time when they were really scanning from like a photocopy to put in the books. Because if you look, the art doesn't look quite as good as the issues. That is true. That that it that is true. I just remember. Oh, go go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say because I was listening to uh, the guys who do um, was it the Legion of Substitute Podcasters, and they were talking about a couple of trades they got were like that. Mm. You know, only thing I remember most was that all the crossovers that I bought because they had a crossover for every week. And, yeah, and there were like a ton of them. crossovers for the most part. Loved them, thought they were great, mm-hmm. you know, because you know you had to find out, you know, you had to find out. Oh, this dude's a manhunter, you know, you know this. Everybody was a fucking manhunter. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Rocket. Hi, I'm this random character that got introduced last month. I'm a manhunter. Exactly, Rocket Red, manhunter. I'm like, well, that's pretty easy to do. You never saw his face, so, so yeah, he got replaced by an android, or he is one. He's a, or he's an agent. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. Could you? Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? So, Are you a scroll too? Come on. Oh, you're a scroll. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing I wish they had done with Spider Man was all of a sudden say the Spider Man we'd known for 15 years was a scroll, and hey, look, it's Ben Riley. Boy, I wish they would I wish they had done something like that or stuck with that. Hey, Peter Parker was the clone. I really wish they would have stuck to their guns. I really wish they would have done that because that would have been a balls move. Yeah, I mean, I've got the real Clone Saga sitting on my shelf. i got to read it, and I've also been buying those uh, Marvel trades that's basically the complete Clone Saga. I'm waiting until I get all six or seven of them, and then I'm just going to sit down and read them all in order. Yeah, it's all 70s, a ton of it's 70s and 80s, which means, hey, look, it's three word, it's five word balloons per panel, and it's an eight-page grid. Fuck! <laughs> Look, I love eight-panel, nine-panel grids. Now, granted, it depends on the storytelling. We all know storytelling in comics has changed each decade. It's changed. Oh, yeah. You you know, it's changed. What used to be, but think about how much story you get out of that one issue as compared to some comics today where one issue, well, okay, let let me rephrase that. You have a book in the 70s, one issue, you got a shitload of material. I'm not talking about the Claremont books because everybody jokes about that. But, you know, something like that, that one issue would take seven issues of some standard comics today. And that's what I find sad. Yeah, go back and read those, um, the uh, Marvel Essentials. I mean, it took me probably at least a good half an hour to get through the first issue of Power Man. Because there's so much word balloons. Yeah, dude. No. And so much di- – I mean, there's so much dialogue and written words that – I mean, that's one thing that – yes, I blame Image for that, but for a large part of that. And then the decompression that Bendis really helped uh, expand. But in some, but comics today are geared for people that are a little older, and they're for the uh, repeated reader, not the new reader. Right. And 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 I yeah. wish that would change. I really yeah. wish that would change. But attention spans are where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I do have one last question before we get done, though. Okay, talk to me. I'm honestly going to start saying. I honestly believe this now. I I want your opinion. Duh, is the higher ups at Marvel and DC are they racist? Because they're killing off every fucking minority character. 
Um, and yes, I'm white. I know this, and I'm saying, yeah, they're racist because have they, there's only one minority character that will never ever be killed. Who's that? Luke Cage, because Bendis is in love with Luke Cage because he grew up on Power Man and Iron Fist comics. Nobody in DC grew up on Jefferson Pierce because it got canceled so damn quickly. Right. Yeah. That's in, nobody's going to protect any DC minority characters. Nobody's going to protect any minority character like Brother Voodoo at fucking Marvel. Yeah. Unless it's Bendis, and well, hey, look, I lo- I don't give a shit about him. I only like uh, Luke Cage. Well, well, you see that Jamie, uh, the Blue Beetle, got got a few, uh, you know, not too long ago. He got blue beetled. Yeah, pretty much. And you know, and you know, people say, well, he could come back as a White Lantern or, or whatever. But still, here's my whole thing. Okay, look, I understand that like a lot of these writers that are, that are running the game right now, the era that they read is the era that we came from. But they also know about stuff in the from the past too, and they want to respect that and understand that. But at the same time. You want to take it back to that era? <sighs> okay, listen. We have a lot of great writers in comics. And I understand using old stories and like you, you know, bringing stuff back to the way it was, but we have to show some progress. I'm not saying that we have to have an ethical diversity committee for Marvel and an ethical diversity committee for DC. I'm not saying that. If you don't want these dudes to be around for a while, fine. That's cool. But you don't have to kill them. You, you, you don't have to kill them. You don't, because I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, you let me get a job at D.C., I'm bringing Jamie back. They go in there or they'll tell me I can't, oh, <laughs> you, yeah. you, know, e- you know, either or. So I really don't understand the purpose of killing, killing off these characters like Ryan Choi. I like Ryan Choi Adam. Yes, the book didn't sell, but does that mean you have to kill them off? You know, there used to be a period of time where you had you, you would have the Ryan Choi and you would have the Ray Palmer. I'm not saying that that actually happened, but I'm saying like in the 80s, you would have some, you would have something like that. And yeah. like I got mad and see and I took it to heart because this happened around and I heard I heard that news about, you know, Jamie, the Jamie Blue Beetle dying, you know, the day, you know, the day, the day or the day after Dwayne McDuffie died. I really tried to keep my cool about it, but I just really just went off. And, and I, you know, and I like I made a Twitter post and I just went off and I was pissed and I just put, yeah. and I put my feelings out there because, you know, normally because of what I do, the things I do and the responsibilities I have, I really try to just stay calm and stay on the level and be as professional as possible. But it pissed yeah. me off. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. this, this dude, and look, I know Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon isn't playing anymore, but guess what? The character's popular with kids. More kids know Blue Beetle than, than they do with another DC character, okay? Yeah, um, and by that same token... How many, and this was an actual story in several places, even on mainstream. When they showed the Ryan Reynolds as a Green Lantern, a lot of people were like, wait a minute, Green Lantern's black. Yeah, and that's because of Justice League Unlimited and, you know, and like, you know, Tim, Bruce Tim, Dwayne McDuffie, you know, putting that. As yeah, I was about to say, Bruce wrote a lot of Green Lantern centric stories. Yeah, because Bruce Tim also loved Jon Stewart. And, yeah. and Dwayne, because I remember Dwayne McDuffie talking at San Diego, San Diego Comic Con. I got to find the podcast that had that um, that recorded his um, panel. He said he could do pretty much whatever he wanted with John Stewart because the the execs did not give a fuck about John Stewart. 
That's why John Stewart got so much play in the cartoon because he said, "Well, you can do because the exec said would say you could do this with Superman, this with Batman, this with Wonder Woman, this with Flash, and that's it." But characters like Martian Manhunter, Hawk Woman, or or or, or Hawk Girl, it was one, it was Hawk Woman, the Hawk Woman, and Green, you know, and John Stewart Green Lantern, you know, you could do whatever you want to do with. One and Hawk Woman was Hispanic, a Hispanic voice actress, and she was original in in the in the show. Yeah. And see, and here's my whole thing, dude. DC Animation, DC Animation gets it right. They're all about, they like, look, this character is dope. We're putting him in this cartoon. Or like, like perfect example, watch the pilot episode of Young Justice when, the, when like the whole Justice League shows up. They had Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart up in that piece. No, yeah. I'm like, now see, that's respect. That's respect right there. I'm like, I couldn't even be mad. I'm like, that's off the fucking chain. You know, mm-hmm. Batman Brave and the Bold, good mix of characters. I mean, all types. I mean, they had the the Jason Rush, Ronnie Raymond Firestorm, which I thought was freaking awesome. You had Blue Beetle, Shazam. You just had a great mix of superheroes and women like Huntress, Black Canary. They mixed it up and it was great. And, you know, and, and, and the Marvel animated with uh, the Avengers series that they have right now. Yeah, Yo. I still have yet to see that. It's supposed to be good. Yeah, they've done a great job with Black Panther. See, like, the an- the animated sides get it right because, like, yes, we all know it's a business. We all know it's a, it's a business and, the, and they're there to make money because when they made Brave and the Bold, you best believe Mattel was like, oh, Blue Beetle toys, kids going to dig that, make it. Boom. And yeah, he's my, fa- he's my son's favorite character. Kids bought that shit, ate it up. You know what I mean? So it, it made perfect sense. It made perfect sense. So why get rid of the character? I don't, I just truly do not understand why we have, this, you know, why so many people want to live in the past. I accept, you know, I accept the past in comics. You know, a lot of it was good. A lot of it was bad. But, you know, we also need to show some progression, too, and continue to move forward in comics. And, you know, yeah, I mean, oh, and ahead. the JLA, look at the JLA. It's like, oh, look, we've got John Stewart. And we have, hey, look, we have John Stewart. And we had uh, they we had, had Vixen. They had Cyborg for a minute. Cyborg. They had Cyborg, cyborg for a really? minute. Yo, yeah, I, they had Cyborg really. That, yo, man, I love. I see. I like Cyborg. It's a character that that every that every writer fucks with. Oh, he irritates the shit out of me. I'm like, yo, oh, remember when he remember when he was gold? <laughs> yo, I remember that. I remember and, when he was gold. And when he was like in the uh, was it the Titans JLA thing? And he was written as like the oh did you, you did you ever read the uh, Titans Young Justice? In the the world without grownups, no, I never. When read everybody that. got de-aged, yeah, I never read that. Oh, he's just this like petulant fucking ho- uh, brat who's like hitting on every one of the girls. It's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's sins of youth, sins of youth, sins of youth. Okay, no, I'm, I never got to read sins of youth. Oh, that's a thick ass trade too, because it's that's back when DC was like, let's do the central series and we'll do these other two series and tie it all in but that's a good fun series okay i'm gonna have to peep that it's on the list now it is officially I'll, uh i think i'll get my copy i'll bring it to you when i drop it when uh for super show yeah that's cool man no you know yeah. you know what it's you know to me all forms of media we all forms of media we can do better that's that's the way I just feel about it. We can do better, you know. And, and I'm not saying these things are like you know cause controversy or whatever. It's just truth. It it, yeah. it, it really is. It's just truth. We yeah, can, that's I think, why I've always liked Titans and Young Justice. They've always had good strong minority characters in them. Yeah, and and good rosters. And see, there's a whole other thing too. Just because a character is like a minority character, and I've talked about this. I talked about this on Half Hour Wasted. When uh, you know about when it came down to Dwayne McDuffie and the whole thing with the milestone books, and this just goes with any book in general. If you have minority characters, 
you know, the goal is just to write them as characters. Yeah, it might be a black dude. It might be a black woman. It could be an Asian. You know, who, you know, whatever, whoever, green, black, purple, whatever. Them, if you write great characters, it won't matter what the color is. It won't. Yeah. You, if you write great characters and actually give them something to stand on and stand for, it won't matter what the color is. I think that's one thing that some of these companies, comic book companies don't get that the animation companies do get and do understand. And it's not like an affirmative action thing. It's a business thing. And then, in turn, these production companies that make these cartoons is like, hey, we running with this, we're going to make this hot. And, and, and it works. It, it truly, truly works. And like I said before, Young Justice is a perfect example because they don't... Look, I've never in my lifetime thought any Aqua character was interesting. Aqualad is off the chain in Young Justice. Blackwalad? Yeah, you can call him Blackwalad. I don't care. He's off the that's chain. That's not me. That was Daryl I stole that from. Aqua Girl that's in uh, the Titans is good. You, yeah. If you write great characters, color no longer becomes an issue. But there still is an issue when it comes down to minorities in comics, period. And that's, and that's behind the scenes and on the page. There's still a problem. It needs to be fixed. Really needs to be addressed. Do I, do I, will it ever truly be addressed? Doubtful. It's up to us to change that. So. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm. This is going to sound horrible and fun, and but I have to say this. I because and I said this in uh, on the Carol Chronicles last week. I because I got into comics later, I didn't have the uh, familiar familiarity with comics from the '90s, especially in the early 2000s, until about oh two and three when I got in. I didn't know Dwayne McDuffie was black, mm. and so when I found out he was black about a year and a half ago, I was like, oh really? Oh, okay. That explains... Oh, when he did the Milestone guys? Oh, that explains why they're here. And sounds bad in saying that's a compliment in some cases. Well, hey, man. It, it, it happens. For me, it's mostly just looking at in the writing style and art style is where I can see certain things. It's like if I get something from Martheus, I know it's going to have big boobies because he likes big boobies. <laughs> <laughs> if I get some, If I see a... Uh, oh, who's the guy who did the early Superman... Not the the early Superman, Batman. Talking about McGinnis. McGinnis. If I get McGinnis, I know it's going to have huge muscles. If I get Jim Lee, I know it's going to have eight million pockets. So, and team jackets. <laughs> team jackets are awesome. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. going through D- dcbs withdrawal oh when's the last time you ordered through dcbs last month oh okay you're just waiting put up the new product oh, i miss those days i'm I'm, I'm, I'm I'm like charlie sheen on new porn day <laughs> that dude is fucking he you know what's sad talk to me he will live forever like, he's the new Keith Richards. Like, he's never going to die. He's going to be, like, 70-something. He's still going to be fucking porn stars and doing buckets, big KFC buckets of cocaine in his fucking bajillion-dollar mansion. Yeah, man. I Dude, I'm so tired of the dude. I can't I can't stand it. I, I am so tired of it. I was good for two days. I'm like, okay, this man needs no more coverage. Dude, the wife and I were watching. We taped the 2020 special. Oh, and no. he. That dude is just insane. <laughs> that dude is just insane. 
I, I refu- Absolutely. I love it. I refuse to watch it. The only thing he that... He fried I, himself, dude. He's gone. Somebody took the quotes that that he's been making over the past, you know, ever since the explosion. Somebody's been taking it... <laughs> Somebody's been taking his quotes and combining them with Family Circus comic strips. And oh, it's, that's awesome. And it's called Sheen Family Circus. I love it. Now, that's funny. A part of that. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. That I'm fine with, but no, I don't need to hear or see anything from that dude. With all the problems that, that this country and world has right now, the fact that everybody's focused and their fucking attention to him is fucking ridiculous. Oh, I know that. No, sure. Fucking ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, dude, Uh-oh. I had this dream two months ago, and I've been dying to tell you about it. All right, let's keep it PG-13. This is a family fucking show here. This, Please. <laughs> please. You need to stop. <laughs> but I've been dying to tell you about this, man. It is the craziest dream. Because I've been having crazy dreams for like the past six, seven months. This, it was a movie trailer. And it was for a film called Billy Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm, this was a this was a, a, a this was one of your dreams. This is one of my dreams. I was at the movie theater about to watch a movie, and the first trailer that came up was a trailer for a movie called Billy Ocean's Eleven. In a world where you want to rock down to, <laughs> no Electric Avenue. No, no, dude. It's that wasn't Billy Ocean. Was no, it? that was Eddie Grant. Oh shit! It was too, huh? Yep. Ignore that joke. Was he fuck up? <laughs> oh, in a world where Donnie can't get his pop culture references straight, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> but the story takes place in Las Vegas, where Michael Bolton has this like casino that he owns, and he performs this like show every Friday night, and he sings Isley Isley Brother covers and Ronald Isley covers because he's stolen the rights to Ron Isley's music and he has it like hidden in this vault deep in the casino. Now in the real in real life there was a period of time where supposedly Michael Bolton had literally stolen uh, Isley's uh Isley's publishing. Anyway, well he's singing the Isley songs, making all this money. Isley's not getting like a red cent. And like I said, the rights are in a safe in the basement. So it's up to Billy Ocean, Bobby Brown Ike, oh, Ike Turner. Oh, he did. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a dream. It's a movie. It's a movie trailer. It's a dream. It doesn't matter. Sing the song, Annie Mae. <laughs> eat, eat the cake. But <laughs> sing the song. Sing it. Sing it like I wrote it. <laughs> Darryl, I'm done with that narcotic, baby. <laughs> Stop it. I'm sorry. Daryl Hall was on the team. Oh shit! Well, he's just glad to be included. Yes, and and there's like a couple other cats, but those are the ones I remember specifically. Okay, they have to go like you know underneath the casino while Bolton's performing on a Friday night, and like break into like this like you know super duper safe, just like Clooney and them did. Wait, in, wait in hang on. So, <laughs> so Bolton's performing. Yes. So he's the, he's the distraction. So okay, so Bolton distracts two, three people. What what are the rest of them do? <laughs> no, no, no. See, they're trying to steal it from from Michael Bolton because Michael Bolton stole this music from Ronald Isley. Oh, I got it. Okay. okay, okay. Bolton stole the music from Ronald Isley. Isley wants his rights back, and he can't get them back. So Billy Ocean and Bobby Brown and them are gonna go steal the rights back because the rights are in like this like sec- secured basement of Michael Bolton's casino. Strangest dream I ever had, dude. The black female lead was who was basically the Julia Roberts character. It was Halle Berry, 
And like, of course it was. Oh, of course it was. I, that's just how. That's just how it was. I don't ask me how. Don't ask me. How. It just happened. Billy Ocean breaks out into two musical numbers during the movie. I'm not lying. It it happened in the trailer. It's like a five minute trailer. And then at wow. the en- then at the end of the trailer, you heard a remix of Caribbean Queen with Rick Ross on it. Strangest one of the strangest dreams I ever had. But I bet you that'd make a cool ass comic book though. Billy Ocean's Eleven. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't know why. <laughs> just. <laughs> You know you you know you would read that and you and you would go buy the greatest hit CD with it too. There'll be sad songs to make you cry. It's weight and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know you know you like some Billy Ocean. You know you like some Billy Ocean. You ain't got to be quiet. <laughs> no, I kind of think I do. <laughs> You just see the guards of the casino chasing them, and instead of throwing down like a puff of smoke, Bobby Brown just whips out his his crack pipe and just starts puffing away until the whole room is just filled. See why you got to bring up the crack pipe? <laughs> why you got to bring that up? You know, I'm trying to remember the good Bobby Brown, not not you know not the bad Bobby Brown. Back I'm to trying the to Mac Brown. Hey man, that's what you want to talk about. Yeah, huh? I, I do want to talk about that. Let me tell you something about that Bobby Brown. See, I was actually listening to that that album over like uh, last week, uh, the Bobby album. After that was the one after "Don't Be Cruel" with humping around on it. Yep. Here's the thing, Bobby was good for this back then. And he sure as hell does it now because, you know, he's out of shape and, you know, he can barely breathe and sing on stage. But when he was like in shape, he, you know, Bobby danced hard on stage. Okay, Mm -hmm. he moved hard because he could dance. He danced hard on stage and he would dance so hard that he couldn't sing. He couldn't even sing his own damn song. Like he would start with like humping around. He'd get through that part when you love someone and you know you're on their back. And they'd be like, (sighs) Everybody, come on. Sing along. Because <laughs> I can't. Because <laughs> he was dancing too hard. I'm like, you got to balance this out. You got to balance it out. Then he come back off stage. His mic was still on. You heard. <sighs> Man, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Back to the Mac McBrown. Yo, I, I, I came front. That song was off the hook. It was. But see, my only problem with that album, that, that, that album as a whole, the Bobby album was that almost every up-tempo track that brother thought he had to rap on the bridge of every fucking song yeah but that's what you did back then though dude i i know man but still it's like yo look when he came out with the every little step remix and like rhymed on the bridge i'm like okay that's hype that's cool i'm good okay he did it on humping around I was cool with it. And then he dropped that two can play that game single. He had to rhyme on that. And then he dropped another thing. He had to get away. It became so repetitive. That was my problem with that. But Oh my lord. I'm looking through I'm sorry. Uh while we're talking, I'm looking through the new movies on Netflix. C. Thomas Howell stars in Mutant Vampire Zombies from the Hood. <sighs> And the quote on the bottom of the poster is, it's the end of the world, yo. They should be ashamed. See, see, Donnie, this is what I'm talking about. Somebody spent money to get that made. Somebody spent money to get that, that, that made. That money could have been used you know, for something with an actual purpose. Yeah. 
just sad. I am saddened by this. But then again, when I look on Netflix, I see a lot of money wasted. <laughs> it sure is. You know what? You know, I was sick. I, I was sick a, a while ago, and um, so I was in bed for like about three or four days. So I, I watched a lot of Netflix on my iPad. Had some Netflix streaming going on. I was watching plenty of movies, and I started just like looking. I remembered about an episode of uh, Nothing's On that you and Daryl did, and y'all talked about a movie called Bitch Slap. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I didn't watch the thing. I saw the cover. I saw the cover. I was like, No, I need. I know. Stay away. Stay away. And like, I didn't even check to see if there was instant streaming. I didn't want to. I purposely did not. Well, just from the cover alone, I'm like, how much money got wasted on this? And I'm just like going through movies and I look at all this wasted money. Somebody thought this would be a hit. Really? Really? Oh, man. I mean, there, there's some gold in there. There's some gold in there. Don't get me wrong. I did catch up on almost every DC animated universe movie while I was sick. I, I still have like three or four of those to make, uh, to, to make, yeah, to watch. I'm behind. I have enjoyed every last single one of them, especially. Have, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I had this. I had the Superman, Batman one with the Supergirl. I don't remember what it's called. I, uh, Apocalypse, that, Apocalypse. Yes. I have that one. I have um, Superman Shazam. Dude, then, that was uh, awesome. I don't know if I'm going to get uh, All Star Superman. You know, no disrespect, whatever. It just wasn't yeah. for me. If it's not yeah. for if it's if it's not for you, it's not for you. That's okay. I'm not, I was never a Superman guy. Never. I you just couldn't deal with him. You will you will like the Shazam Superman one now. Oh, oh, oh. What? Dude, Netflix has the nineteen eighty six uh side splitting comedy classic Body Slam. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yes they do. Is that the movie with Roddy Roddy Piper? And Dirk Benedict, Tanya Roberts, Captain Lou Albano. Yes, sir. <laughs> Sam Fatu. <coughs> no. Yep. No. That's where they combine a struggling music. Oh, here we go. Here, ready? Kick it. The side-splitting comedy follows the misadventures of Harry Smilik. Face from the A-Team, a struggling music promoter who's desperate to pay off a loan shark and find talent for a benefit show, but instead winds up as the manager for a professional wrestler, Quick Rick Roddy mm-hmm. Piper. Mm-hmm. Harry, <laughs> Harry has to move quickly to outrun the violent threats of Rick's former manager, and so he concocts a rock and wrestling tour that catapults his new client to stardom. I remember I saw this movie. You, you saw Body Slam? You know I did. You know what? I'm trying to find Body Slam and Box Office Mojo. They don't even list it. <laughs> it made seven cents. <laughs> they don't even list it, man. Somebody put on IMDb back in 1999, the first words they, they put, this movie is great. <laughs> See, you, so they finally accepted my. I, <laughs> dude, the director was Hal Needham. Didn't he do, like direct a Smokey and the Bandit, Bandit, dude, and Smokey and the Bandit too? So in your face. No, Hal Needham was the guy that was the. Uh, he was. Uh, he was also. His claim to fame was he was Burt Reynolds' stunt man, and then he became a director. That's right, because he just got. He just. He just. Um, he just released an autobiography not too long ago. How need them did. I have to get off of this Netflix right now. Yeah you, yeah, you need to stop because you're going to find a lot of bad movies on there. <laughs> it's going to be like three minutes of recording time you're going to be able to save out of there. Tanya Roberts played Candace Vandervagen. Yo, man. Tanya Roberts. Remember when she was in the last season of Charlie's Angels? 
Vander Vegan. <laughs> it's my favorite Nazi, Vander Vegan. That's wrong, man. I'm sorry. That's wrong. Man. Yes, she was. Yeah, she was the redhead. And then like she became blonde and was the uh the Bond the James Bond girl in a uh, View to a Kill. The the, right. la- the last Roger Moore movie where Moore could barely move. <laughs> then he went and made the quest. Oh, oh come on. Van Daminator. No, come on. I'm trying to forget about that movie. I'm uh, really trying to forget. Now you don't write that. That was back. awesome. Or as I like to call it, Bloodsport Five. <laughs> Then she she had a, she was on a TV series called she played Marsha on the Angry Beavers. Oh, the Angry Beavers was a cartoon that was on Nickelodeon. Was Dude, that shit was hilarious. She was Marsha. She was yeah. yeah. I remember that. She and Tanya Roberts was also on that '70s show. Yes, that's when she made her big comeback. Yep. Well, I thought she was the chick from. Um, well, I know she played Sheena, right? That was her, right? I, I don't know that. I don't know, sir. She was in the Beastmaster. Oh. All goes back to Mark Singer, bitches. Can't we have one conversation without Mark Singer, sir? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I feel bad. I figure someone should talk about him. Is was he supposed to come back to ABC's V? I don't know if V's coming back to ABC's a- V. ABC doesn't even know if ABC is coming back. Dude, ABC, <laughs> ABC and NBC are just <laughs> yo. Those, sta- those channels are so confused, it's ridiculous. Perfect example, when Chase came out, we love Chase. Oh, this is great. We're going to give it a full season. And this was in October. Yep, then, then they two- Vince McMahon them. They were like, you're fired. See, no, 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 no. It was worse. They're like, well, we'll come down from 22 to, th- to 18. No, we'll come to 18 to 13 episodes. And now they're getting replaced by. <laughs> we're coming from, from 13 to 12. Shit, you owe me an episode. That's how many we're going back. No, no, no. Better We've yet. We canceled your pilot. <laughs> Better yet, they cut they cut them from like twenty two to eighteen to thirteen, and then said, "You know what? Your ratings are just you know your ratings aren't good enough. We're putting you up against good stuff, so you're getting crushed. How about if we just not play the rest of the episodes we've already got in the can, and we'll replace you with Minute to Win It, <laughs> starring that guy from the cooking show? Yeah, Guy Fieri. I'm like, yo, man, can you please stop highlighting your hair? You are a grown ass man." <laughs> Dude, I have to I have to read the mini biography of Tanya Roberts. Oh, oh no. okay. Go ahead. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Cuz it just it just struck me weird. Like her her early years are very weird. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Tanya Roberts came from the modest beginnings in the Bronx, New York. The daughter of a pen salesman, Irish. I don't know why Irish is in parentheses, but it gets better. And a mother, Jewish in parentheses. <laughs> who were divorced before she reached high school. Tanya dropped out of high school at the age of 15. She got married and hitchhiked around the country until her mother-in-law had the marriage annulled. (laughs) She met psychology student Barry Roberts in New York while waiting in line to see a movie. A few months later, she proposed to him in a subway station because she needed a warm bed in a cup of hot soup. I'm sorry. And they were married. <laughs> she studied acting under Lee Strasberg and Uta Hagen. In her early years in New York, she pr- supported herself as an Arthur Murray dance instructor and by modeling. Wow. Fucking uh, 70s, man. Yeah, man. 70s, you could do anything. You could just... You could just... Wow. Pen salesman. Irish. 
was that necessary to put in the bio? Was it exactly, really? Exactly. That's what cracks me up. Why, wife, Jewish. <laughs> I'm like, really? Was that necessary? She was the last Charlie's angel. I see. I liked her as as, as uh, the last Char- Charlie ain't Charlie's angel. But what's <laughs> but what? See, I can't even pronounce that right right now because I'm still no, laughing. You got all excited. I'm You're still like, no, I'm still uh, laughing about that uh, biography. Uh, oh yeah, Irish. Irish. <laughs> he was the one Irish pen salesman in all of the Bronx. Banshee, <laughs> Banshee would stop by, pick him up, swing him from neighborhood to neighborhood, <laughs> drop him off. Mm-mm-mm. But no, but I don't see, I, I'm see. It's a man. It's just a, a pen salesman. Could you imagine in 2011 <laughs> trying to be a pen salesman? That shit just sells itself, okay? <laughs> you know, can, can you? You know, I can. I can envision a pen salesman right now trying to compete with Office Max and Office Depot right now. <laughs> a door-to-door pen salesman. Hello, ma'am. Are you sick of using those pencils? Well, 23 Skidoo, have I got the product for you. It's called a ballpoint pen. This new ballpoint technology puts the pen on a ballpoint, a point of a ball, so that way when you write, it goes with the motion of your wrist. What do you think of that? I think it's the cat's pajamas. (laughs) Worst episode ever. (laughs) That's about as bad as when Reverend Jim was on an episode of Taxi and was going door-to-door selling vacuum cleaners, or at least he thought he was, and he made a mess in this woman's house, and then he pulled out a Bible, and then he remembered he was selling Bibles (laughs) door-to-door. He was an awesome character. Yes, he was. I I like when they were studying. They had a study for their driving test to renew their their license. That's a classic one, man. What do you do when you come to a yellow light? Slow down. What <laughs> do you do when you come to a yellow light? Slow down. Uh, okay. <laughs> what do you do? Get it? Yes, I got it. Trust me, I got it. After the first after the first take, I'm like, he's not going there. <laughs> I, I know he's not going there. And he did. Just for the hell of it. Now you got me on IMDb. <laughs> so, of course, I had to click on um, Beastmaster. And then I had to click on who, who whose bio you think I got to click on? John Amos. And he has a movie coming out in 2011 called Zombie Hamlet. Is it directed by his son? No. John okay. Marlowski. Zombie Hamlet. And it is starring... Holy shit. Shelley Long, Jason Mewes, John Amos, June Lockhart. What the? F- some folks was hard up for some cash. That, what the? Uh, Donnie, we in the wrong profession, man. How do these people get this money? We in the wrong profession. Zombie Hamlet. <laughs> we are in the wrong profession, sir. Making, making movies with the mom from Lost in Space. That's a bullshit. <laughs> How are they going to get James Evans fighting zombies? Fuck you, Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. In the back, you got Florida. Damn, damn, damn. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>
It'll get here before the mind calendar ends and John Cusack kills us all. <laughs> I kind of fell asleep on that movie, so I'm kind of just dude. Um, no man, uh, I, I I've yet to watch that film in its entirety. So that's just a, that's a sign telling me that I don't need to watch it. Harry Cavell is gonna play Cock Cat and Superman. He is. And then it says Vigo Morstein is rumored to be General Zod, which we have found out is not true. Right. Lindsay Lohan is Ursa rumor. Yeah, Good that's for you, that, Lindsay. That, that, that still rumors. That that's not happening either. That's not. And happening. Kevin Costner is Jonathan Kent. That rumor's been around for a while. Well, last I, I heard that they were going to Kevin Costner was in talks, but they didn't say what he was what who he was gonna play yeah just hoping for i'm I'm hoping for just for a good movie that that's all i want i want a good movie i don't want to see kryptonite real estate um you know i just want a good film i don't want to see superman with baby that would yeah i don't need to see babies back no no no. i don't need to see any superman baby daddy issues okay i don't need to see none of that no more no more love letters to richard donner okay no more let's just let's let's concentrate on making a good movie Kevin Costner's made some stinkers, man. Oh, so you've seen Mr. Brooks? Yes. I'm sorry. I was just playing with you. I didn't... Bodyguard, Waterworld. He drank his own pee, man. He was was getting into character. Tin Cup, the Postman. You hear me? Postman! (laughs) Ride! Sorry. (laughs) The Postman movie (laughs) movie so bad they gave Tom Petty a part. Hey man, I know you. That was Tom Petty's line in that damn movie. You think you're tough, but I won't back down. Message in a bottle. You know, road you, to Graceland. Three hundred, no, no three thousand miles, miles to Graceland. Hey, I, I now that movie I saw, and I'm tell you something. That an movie, Elvis impersonator heist movie. Yo, they that all, sounds so cool, dude. It was it good. Wasn't. No, it, I thought it was good because they it were was like, okay, but it wasn't. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's not like blockbuster spectacular. It's not something that I, you know, that everybody should go stop what they're doing right now to see if it shows up online. If it shows up on TV, watch it because it's. it's I thought it was pretty good. Kurt Russell is Michael Zane. Kevin Costner is Murphy. Courtney Cox is Sybil Wingrow. Christian Slater is Hanson. Mm-hmm. Kevin Pollock as Dimitri. David Arquette is Gus. These these guys all belong to like one agency, and no one was working at the at the time. Pretty much, and John Lovett says Jay Peterson. Don't yeah. forget Howie Long. He was Jack Thomas Hayden Church. The Sandman was Quigley. And to top off a shitty cast, you have to have Ice T. Leave Ice T alone. His guest appearance, his cameo in that film was probably the one of the best parts of the whole movie. Stop it. Fuck you. <laughs> why do you can't act, can't rap. You got more money than I'll ever see. <laughs> Is that why you mad? Yeah, that's why I'm mad. That <laughs> motherfucker made made Leprechaun in the Hood too. I'm trying why to am I mad. <laughs> you know, let me click on Ice T and we'll go through his body of work, motherfucker. And we'll talk about why I'm mad. You should not be mad at Ice T. Ice T I am mad at Ice T. Ice T ain't ever done nothing to you. He is no longer a new Jack Hustler. Oh, you know it's the 20th anniversary of New Jack City. Mm-hmm. By the time this episode airs, New Jack City will have hit its 20th anniversary. Good movie. It's a good movie, but watch am it now. I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's, still, it's still good, but there's some parts of that movie that don't play well now. He was in a video called Frankenpenis. Can I still hate him now? Can I? With John Wayne Bobbitt? You can hate okay. him. You can hate him now. It's can okay. I hate him? You can hate him now. 
<laughs> you need to let it go. You need to be like Teddy, you need to be like Teddy Pendergrass and let it go. No, but you but you you know what Postman could have used to to have made it a good movie? Billy Ocean. <laughs> He's too busy filming his um his heist movie. No man, like during the middle of like a crucial like a crucial scene or whatever, like Billy Ocean could just like stop the whole movie and sing Love Zone. Ice T got his start in acting in 1983 on the hit TV series Fame, where he played one of the quote unquote enforcers. <laughs> then he was in Breaking as Rap Talker, Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo with in a, 1984. With a cameo by Jean Claude Van Damme. Indeed. He was Radiotron Rapper. Breaking and Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo both released 1984. Okay. Hold on one second. Now I got to look at that. Hold on. Uh, then he went to New Jack City, Ricochet, Trust Pass, where he played King James. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> Who's the Man? That was an awesome movie. He played Night Train. Wait a minute. What? You're talking about the hip hop whodunit, Who's the Man? Yeah, hell yes. <laughs> With Dennis Leary. Dennis, Dennis Leary, Dennis Leary is, wasn't even the lead. It was... Oh no! Was it Dr. Dre and Ed Lover? You know yeah. that's right. No, but like if you if they if they sell that DVD now, Dennis Leary's gonna be on that front cover, dude. Just listen to this cast of failed everything. Okay, hang on, I'm getting the full cast and crew. Oh, by the way, you were right. Breaking came out in May of '84, and Breaking Two came out in December of '84. Mm-hmm. They filmed them. They filmed those movies back to back. They was like, look, we don't know how long this is gonna work. You know, white people might turn on breaking. So uh, let's just go ahead and get this out right now. Go. <laughs> get that Belgian kid to do a split. <laughs> uh, Colin Quinn, Bowlegged Lou, Bernie Mac. Did you Bill say Bellamy. Did you say Bowlegged Lou from Full Force? Yep. Full Force get busy one time. Okay, I just want to say it once. T Money, Dennis Larry, Kim Chan, Vincent Pastori. That's right. Big Pussy was in this movie. <laughs> Kurt Loader played a hitman. Kurt fucking Loader. It was an okay? MTV. It, dude, it was an MTV movie. MTV funded that film. Why do you Kurt think? Kurt Loader. That, why do you think Dennis Leary was in it? Dennis Leary was big with MTV at that well, time. He sure was. That that's what made him. See, uh, Fab Five Freddy. I love that dude. Apache and Smooth B. Let's see who else was in this. KRS One. Uh, Salt and Pepper was in it too. Little Daddy Shane. It's the Big Daddy Kane. And the Little, little Daddy, Daddy Shane. <laughs> the Guru. Kid Capri. Crisscross. Naughty by Nature. All of them. <laughs> Pete Rocket. CL Smooth. Eric B. Flavor Flav. Be real, Melly Mel, D Nice, Busta Rhymes, the leaders of the old school, the leaders of the new school, Moni Love, Bushwick Bill. No, they did not have Bushwick Bill in this movie. Bushwick, yeah, Bushwick Bill. Yes, yes. Is he still alive? Oh, he was in Original Gangsters, the best movies ever. Run D M C J Master J. Mm. Yo Yo was in this. Yes, because you can't play with my Yo Yo. <laughs> You knew that song was hard when that came out. This is man's world. Remember that one she did with Ice T? Yeah. I mean Ice Cube. Oh, Ice Cube, yeah. And yeah, and uh yeah. and uh You bring home the bacon, find another hoe to cook it. 
Yeah, you didn't think I knew about that, did you? <laughs> Humpty Hump and Peppa. Mm. Terrence Howard. Mm-hmm. Be fine. Queen Latifah. And now that we found love, what are we going to do? Heavy D. Jam, jam. It's not hard for me to jam. The hip hop who done it. I'm like, who is the marketing genius behind that? Who hey, how we get black people to come watch this movie? I know. Call it the hip hop who done it. That's fresh. <laughs> God, I just want to smack the shit out of people sometimes, man. Uh, that's fresh. Word to the mother. That's awful. I know. I know. This is the best episode ever. Dude, Matt Burden started his own wrestling federation. Yeah, over overseas, man. They're starting FPW. You need to hop on a plane, give somebody a sharpshooter. You know that? No. No. Never the sharpshooter, son. I'm just playing what you do. I'm Dangerous just dreamer. Okay. That was my finisher, sir. Speaking of which, wait a minute, hold up. How are you going to sit there and talk about your finishing move? you going to sit there and talk about your finishing move. First off, you didn't even tell a brother, first off, that you wrestled for a while. You need to tell me about this. You need to talk to me. 99 wrestled. Really? Yes. Now, did you have, like, some type of alias or, like, moniker or, or like, gimmick? Yes. Okay. What was it? I was <laughs> the dangerous one. Donnie Salvo, the man of 2001 moves. I was a man of a new millennium. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 2001 moves. That's a clever new millennium. I get you. I get you. 96, man. (laughs) Now, did you like have like a flashy costume? Did you wear a suit? Nope. Okay. Nope. Just wore jean shorts and a boot and boots and a cut up t-shirt. And Dangerous Dreamer was your finisher move. Yes. And and, Taz Mission. Uh Uh-huh. And part Cobra Clutch. Now, see, that's fierce. How you you, you never brought up Cobra Clutch? <laughs> you know that was my shit back back in the day too. Cobra Clutch was a killer that's move. A super show, I'm gonna put you in it. You better not. <laughs> <laughs> you better not. Don't do that. Don't do that to me. Go do that to somebody else. Don't hurt me. I got. Hey man, I got companies to run. <laughs> I can't I be. In- I'm, gonna do, I'm gonna put Action Lab and the Dangerous Dreamer. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> You Except know. for Chad, because he's a lawyer. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Let's see. See, you're smart. You know better. Although I did rock bottom somebody at a Toys R Us years ago. That's the shit right there. I gave, I'm for real. I, le- I legitimately gave someone a rock bottom at a Toys R Us. <laughs> it was December of 1999. A um, couple friends, like I've, I, so I've told this story probably a few, few times on a couple podcasts. What happened was I had just finished school just graduated and was hanging out with a friend and a friend had to go pick up some Christmas presents, pick up some action figures and stuff. I was like, well, I got to pick up, pick up a rock, the rock action figure for like his cousin or nephew or whoever. I was like, well, let's go to this Toys R Us, man. So we go to this Toys R Us like out in Tri-County and holiday season, folks acting crazy. And I was like, yo, let's just split up and whoever finds the figure first, just holler and we'll you find it and get the hell out of here. Okay. Music's blaring over the intercom. It's all loud and annoying, and you know he's over on the other side of the store. I'm on the other other side. I find a rock action figure, and it was like in this just like display, I, and I, you know a bunch of figures, some other stuff, and I wasn't paying attention to what else was around me. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I pick it up, and I look over, and he's on the other side of the uh, other side of the of, of the store, and he's screaming, <laughs> and I can't hear him because the intercom is blaring. I'm like, what are you saying? And I can't hear you. 
That's and he, awesome. And he's still screaming. I'm like, what are you saying? You know, I'm like waving my hands, look like that dude from like a Team America where he's trying to give a signal. And then finally, the, the intercom, you know, the, the music dies down. And I can hear him. He's like, he's basically telling me to look out. Because I turn around and I realize. Hit you with a steel chair. No, nobody's hit me with a steel chair. But what I realize is, is that I'm in a fully restocked Pokemon section. <laughs> Pokemon was still big then. Parents bum rushed the area. I got trampled. Okay? I literally got trampled. Pokemon parents are fighting each other over these damn things. So I get up, dust myself off. I'm mad. Please believe. <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad. Please believe. I'm like, okay, I got the action figure. I'm like, let's bounce. This dude just like takes it out of my hands. Oh, no, he did not. Yes, he did. And I'm like, now, nah, let's see, once again, because of who I am, I'm like, you know, excuse me, sir. Um, I found that figure. Um, I need that because I'm going to go pay for it right now. And he's like, no, it's mine. I'm like, no, you, you fail to realize that if something's in my hands, that means it's in my possession. Now, if you take it from me, and it, and I, it, it no, it's mine. You took it from me. I had it. I just got trampled by Pokemon parents. I need that back. Because there's only one on the shelf. He was like, no, fuck you. It's mine. And I was like, this is the last time I'm going to ask you nice and polite. I need you to please hand that back to me. He was like, no, fuck you. And then like that, oh, no, that, that, that trigger just, wrong. that trigger in my brain just snapped. I mean, it just went off. I grabbed that motherfucker, pulled him close to me. I said, motherfucker, if you don't give me that goddamn action figure right now, I swear I will beat the living shit out of you. I am a... And yeah, dude, I I snapped. I literally snapped. And I don't... See, I don't like doing it because like I I said, I try to be calm. I try to be cool. I try to be collective. And then I hear my friend over on the other side of the building. He he hasn't come over to help me, okay? He's still on the other... He's still on the other side of the building. You know what he says? Why are you starting trouble? No, he's over on the other side of the building screaming, rock bottom, give him the rock bottom. <laughs> I grabbed that motherfucker, gave him a modified rock bottom, grabbed that action figure. We did you, bo- did, we, you uh, <laughs> did you do the people's elbow? Oh, I wanted to. On the ground? I, I wanted to. I just wanted to get like an armband, elbow band, and just like pull it off my arm and like throw it. But no, man, I grabbed that figure. I told my I told my friends like let's bounce and I screamed it. We ran to the cash register, I threw the money on the register, and we took off. Wow. Yes, and that's and that's my wrestling story. Wow. But you wrestled from '96 to '99. Now was this like a local federation? Yes. Professional. It was the PHW Professional Hardcore Wrestling. Oh, really? Now, so like you got like cut open and everything? Oh yeah. Holy I've crap! Had staples and stitches. Oh my. I was hit 27 times in the head with a steel chair in the same match. Are you shitting me, dude? No. You need to go check yourself for concussions. Yo, man. Back in my day, <laughs> we didn't worry about concussions. They, they don't allow chair Someone shots. Someone answer and- the phone. <laughs> <laughs> What's See, that the, ringing? That's not right, dude. That's not right. They don't allow chair shots anymore, man. Not chair shots to the head. No, they yeah. don't. Wow. 27 shots to the head? Yep. So what, what made you decide to walk away f- from wrestling, sir? I have no knees, and <laughs> I have two leaky discs in my back. Enough said. I have, in both of my knees, I have such a slim piece of cartilage that is in between the knee 
joint in the cap that literally, if I twist my knee the wrong way, I'm, I, I would have to go in for knee surgery. Oh, that's pretty serious, dude. Well, you did the right thing. You, yeah, you, I had to do it. Yeah, you did the right thing, man. For real. I remember, I remember years ago, like in the mid late nineties, I wanted to be a wrestler. I was gonna call myself Black Angus. <laughs> <laughs> I wrestled a Chinese dude called himself General Sao. You, you lying? Yes, I did. No, I'm not. I'm not lying. <laughs> the Indies are fun, dude. So, you can do whatever you want. Nobody cares. Right. Oh, oh, but of course. But, but yeah, of course. Yeah, he, he, uh, he named himself General Sao. How big was the audience? Or were they audience? Like high school gymnasiums and things like that. Did um did like ever some dudes from like you know like big federations come down for for like to do some shows or uh, a lot of the older dudes okay like uh, Slaughter um, Snooka Tony Atlas things of that nature okay I remember and Tony there Atlas. was some there was some up and comers that uh, I got to uh, wrestle and uh, if you if uh, I wrestled one match from a, uh, with a young man from. Massachusetts. Tell me, John Cena. Yes, sir. He was called the prototype. I remember that. Still in wrestling school, mm. and uh, it's like ten minutes, and it it it, did, it was a no contest because interference. You wrestled Cena for not for a long. Yeah, it was like a two minute match, dude. It was a filler. No, it's still cool I don't even though. Think man. He got money. <laughs> 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 yeah, he was. You know, he was a good guy though, man. He really. You know what? People say all they want to say about him, and. Can he wrestle? He could. Does he wrestle now? No, not really. He he does all high spots, but that's what you get paid to do, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's once you do spots and the crowd goes crazy, they want you to do that every single time. Yes. Because that's what the people are paying to see. Yeah. They're paying to see him give people the FU. So he does a standing fireman's carry. Oh. You know, but people go nuts for it. So they, you know, they have to, I, you know, the kid was, he has a lot of heart. He loves the business yeah. and he deserves everything he got. The only thing I worry about him is he doesn't really, he doesn't give himself enough time after surgeries yeah. and he and Edge are the same way. Because they love it, man. Yep. You know, it's, just, it's that thing you, you want, you want to keep working. You know, I equate it to acting. It's like Samuel Jackson. People joke. It's like Sam's in 25 movies a year. But Sam has said in many interviews, he said, I don't want that phone to stop ringing. He said that's his biggest fear. It's not that, you know, the man is paid. He never has to work again, but he doesn't want that phone to stop ringing because he loves doing what he, what, he, what he does. You look at how much he loves it by, look at Kill Bill. This dude is, when Kill Bill came out, this dude was top of his game getting all kinds of money for movies. And he did that little part where he played the piano player. I don't even think you saw his face. You just heard him, you know. Man. It was fun, and I loved every minute of it, and I wish I took care of myself so I could do it again. But, uh, you know, it's one of those situations if you know now what you, or you knew then what you knew now. Right. That's how it, yeah, that's how it goes. I would do it in a New York minute. I would do it now in a New York minute. Mm. All busted up and fat and whatnot. I don't care. We get you some knee braces like Stone Cold. That's right. Cut some promos. (laughs) That was my favorite part, talking shit. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com 
and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment, or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard. Good for you, Spider. Good for you. <laughs> Guy shoots you in the foot. You tell him to go fuck yourself. Go, good for you, Spider. Here, this is for you. <laughs> All right, cool. Ah, oh. a fucking hole this time, Tommy. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? It's the first hole I ever dug before. I think the fucking hole. You want me to dig a fucking hole? I think the fucking hole. <laughs> See, this is what I've missed for like two months, man. Two. I know two. You know, this is what I miss for two months, man. It's, it's good hearing your voice, man. Thank you. You too. Oh, and Sean. Yes. Go get your fucking shine box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I talked to the guy at the Connecticut Comic Con. Yes. And uh, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to try and reach out to some artists and see if they'll donate some sketches or pages and stuff. And uh, I want to do like a silent auction for Cancer... What is it? The Cancer Society of America? Cancer something? Hmm. Or Connecticut Hospice. Very nice. So I'd actually have to uh, rent a table. I don't know who to reach out to, but... I have till August. I want to call it Comics for a Cure, something like that. That's really cool, man. Now, if um, I, if I were you, I would just like you know just start personally, you know, emailing certain artists, like ones that you've dealt with in the past or that you've talked to, like you know, whether it be a super show or another convention, and just see and see if they're interested. I will do that. This if you start early, what I start like. I'm gonna when I talk to Daryl tomorrow, and I'm gonna have him reach out to some people he's friendly with, and put me down for an Action Lab T-shirt, dude. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm gonna go to the list right now. I'm gonna double go to- X for my fat ass. <laughs> Stop it! All right, hold on. It's crazy self. No, man, but I've been dying to tell you about that. It's just like one of the most bizarre dreams I had in a long time. I even posted it on Twitter a while ago. And like, I just been saving that because I've been wanting to talk to you about it because, you know, I got issues. So I figure let me talk to my friend and he'll understand. If I I didn't know you had issues, I do now. Don't ever say that when I'm drinking something. I'm sorry. I'm drinking this. But no, man, I wanted to get that out. But no, man. So. What, what's what's been what's been on your mind, man? You you know you said you had a lot of stuff you wanted to bring to the table, and you know for this recording. So what's up, man? Oh, not really. I just uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention that art thing. I was I wanted to talk to you about that, but that wasn't really. Had, you don't have to record that. I just wanted. So oh, okay. I was excited, and, and you know artists. And, and yeah, and and I, and I'll talk to some too. I, I will I will I will talk to some too. Don't you worry. I, I, you know, I'll talk to him. I'll send him some Billy Ocean MP3s. 
and we'll get it worked out. If you don't send us pages from your comic book, we will keep sending you these Billy Ocean. Yep. Send, send them like, you know, like that Ultimix with like Love Zone and uh, Lover Boy. And, and I get you. <laughs> Quick. Now you got me wanting to look up Body Slam on IMDb. No, no, I've already looked it up for you. There's nothing else you need to see. Trust me, there is nothing else you need to see. It's bad. There, Charles Nelson Riley was in the movie as Vic Carson. <laughs> <laughs> awful, awful, just, it's <laughs> just fucking awful. You need, Nancy, you need to stop. <laughs> oh man, no, insane. What was that, um, Charles Nelson Riley? What was the uh, shit? What was the name of that game show he used to be on? It wasn't at Hollywood Squares. No, it was. Uh, Oh, come on, they have to list it under his credits. Holy shit, he did an episode of... <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley did an episode of X-Files. Mm. And Family Matters. Mm. Let's see here. He was on... He, mm, Urkel, do you want some cheese? <laughs> <laughs> he was He was in Uncle Croc's block. He sure was. And hamburgers. And McMillan wife. <laughs> <laughs> Call her mom. Arnie. The new Dick Van Dyke show. Dick is back, and he's pissed off. <laughs> Why are we reading this? <laughs> I don't know. You start. Oh, no, I did. You see, exactly. You started it. Not, what the not, hell? They don't have it down here with the F. Self. All right, I got to look under self. Okay, look under self. He did do Hollywood Squares in 2002. He was part of the match the game. The match game. And, and Hollywood Square. Yeah, Hollywood Square. <laughs> He's still alive, huh? No, he, he he died in 2007, dude. Did he? Yeah. Uh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> um, you ever, Alec Baldwin does an awesome impersonation in him. Yes, he does. Out there. And he also does a pretty good Fred Sanford. <laughs> you Hollywood <laughs> <laughs> fuck you <laughs> sorry <laughs> he said James Evans fighting zombies Ashanti played kid number four uncredited who Ashanti was she still singing off key back then <laughs> she was like a fetus I don't even know how she got in this movie <laughs> I'm looking it up there. I mean, she was born night bored. She was born in 1980. Okay, so now this movie came. she's 31. Born of a of a of <laughs> born to a father of black, Filipino, Chinese, Irish, and Sioux Indian heritage. Who wrote and, that damn bio? And an African American, Puerto Rican, and Cherokee Indian mother. Damn. <laughs> it's like the United Nations just got together and had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Was he a pen salesman? (laughs) Going from door to door because those pens were the cat's meow. 23 skidoo. (laughs) I'm also recording a bunch of uh, Tales from the Attic during that week, too. Yo, man, I've listened to to episode 23 times today. (laughs) She were going off. 
on that Alpha Flight issue, you were going off. It was awful. And and then in the middle, you would do like those John Burden breaks, and I would just like lose it. So you and I are the only two who know that what that means. Oh yeah, oh but that's all right. I'm fine with that. I'm <laughs> I'm absolutely cool with it. That's so. why. Draw me a Sasquatch. Sugar, sugar, Sasquatch. We need to get Al Green to sing that. <laughs> Turn off the lights. No, that wasn't Al Green. That that was Teddy Pendergrass. Teddy Pendergrass, right? You know, Al Green be like, love and happiness. <laughs> now draw me a Sasquatch. You crazy bitch. <laughs> Don't throw them grits on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dog. I got to go. Listen.